Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We are your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. This week, we are talking about the Google Stadia. It's, it's not very often that you have a new console slash, like, just a new tech giant entering the gaming field. Yeah, it's interesting because it's not a console. That's right. I mean, I said console, but it's totally not a console. Yeah, and they have no desire to create a console. Yeah, that's that's wild to me. They have so, a controller. Uh, yeah. So well, there's a controller. You're getting spoilers. Uh, we'll, we'll get into all that later. We also have a ton of news, so we're going to try to, like, man, this is going to be a rapid-fire episode trying to get through all this. Yes. Some I don't know why in the world, after last week's show... Uh, between last week and this week, just so much news. Everyone decided to do something. Yeah. We're going to put out trailers. We're going to have a, a Nintendo Direct. Yep. We're going to have all sorts of stuff. Yeah. We're going to um, buy... Disney's going to buy a studio. Yep. Disney's buying Fox, finally. Yeah. yeah. Lots of things are happening there, apparently. So yep. that's... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, but first, before we get to all that, um, John, what have you been up to this week? So this week... I have been up to not a ton. Like it's been a very busy week on uh, on a lot of other factors. But I did in fact finish the uh, the season finale mm. of Star Wars Resistance. So this mm. is uh, the first whole season of that show uh, the, on on Disney Channel, Disney XD. Yeah. And uh, and so I finished that. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, it ended up connecting like really pretty well with like the force awakens really and uh into like where it's placed in that timeline what was happening directly before some of the events in the force awakens um and so like that that aspect of it was very cool like there was a lot of crossover with a lot of characters throughout the whole season but um it's a very kind of a confined story to, to one location and um yeah, moving into season two, I'm excited for more. I, I would say like it's ne- still hasn't been the must watch of like Star Wars fans everywhere. Yeah. Whereas Rebels definitely a must watch. Mm. There are certain parts of of uh, the Clone Wars must watch. This wasn't necessarily a must watch, but if you're looking for more cool stories with familiar characters yeah. and how some of the context around um, Force Awakens and, and directly before The Force Awakens, how that all works together. Um, this is a really good watch. It's a fun one. Sounds like it's kind of like on par with you know the comics or some of the books. Yeah, that's that kind of... It gives some additional context, but it's not like an integral story to the overall for timeline. Sure. For sure. There's nothing that's like universe changing yeah. or world changing in this. Um, and if you care about the characters, like I, I care about the characters now, so I'm definitely on board for season two. But going into it, I think there's a, there was a lot of people who didn't. Oh, why am I supposed to care about these characters and and that sort of thing? And it's that's all valid because again, they were looking for something different than what this was was offering. But yeah, it definitely feels like it's it's its own thing, but but connects well with everything else. Um, and then they've set it up. And for season two, they've set themselves up to kind of do away with some of the things that were maybe not as uh, as good about the show and double down on some of the things that are uh, good about the show, like that are really good about the show. So um, I'm excited to see where that goes. It's really interesting because it was very much tied to one location. And so in order to like they moved, they they made some story choices that allowed them to free them up to do some other things um, next season that I'm very, very excited about. All so. right. 
right. Yeah. So I've been watching watching that. That's about it. Cool. Uh, I pl- played some Apex uh, nice. since the Battle nice. Pass yep. dropped or whatever, yep. Yep. Um, which we can talk about in the yeah, news. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and uh, and that's about it, man. All right. Um, I, I picked up some, uh, the because of the Nintendo Nindies Direct, I picked up Firewatch on sale on my Switch. Wait, it's on sale? It's on sale on the still Switch. still on sale? Uh, I think it's like 15 bucks right now, yeah. I'm so it's, buy it. it's uh, rather than 20, it's like 15, right, $5. Hang on, we're going to pause for a second. <laughs> All right. This, we, uh, if we have new different music, we need to put it in here. Okay. You need to go buy Firewatch. Literally one of my favorite games of all time is on sale on the Nintendo Switch. That's right. And if you've been waiting for the opportunity, the chance to play it. Yeah. This is the chance to play it. It's a really, like, I, I, uh, I'm i very excited. The, the pricing was right. I was like, yeah. oh, 15 bucks? That's really, really reasonable. I am going to tell you, though, you have to play this with the sound on. Yeah. This is not one of those games where you can just play it with the sound off. And I, if it has subtitles, I would say that's still not okay. Unless, <laughs> unless you just, like, you're hard of hearing and you need the subtitles. Because the environmental, mm. like, there are... Oh, so you're saying no sound and, like, not... Yes. not like, if you have you the can, sound yeah. on and you still want the sure. subtitles, go for exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, I see. But I you see. need to hear, like, there are sounds that happen in the environment cool. and songs, possibly, that play. I'm and, um, yes, like, you awesome. have to... You have to play this game. I, uh, I'm very excited to dive in. I think like the Switch is a really good place for me personally to play because I, I, I like to pop the headphones on with the Switch and yeah. like kind of like you're curling up with a book or whatever, like yeah. before bed or whatever. So uh, I'm excited to d- dig into this one. Yeah. Oh, man. I can't wait for you to, uh, to talk about this. Whenever mm. you start playing it, we should talk about it on the podcast. Okay. Okay. All right. I will. I will. At some point this week, <laughs> I will uh, start playing it and probably maybe finish yeah. it because it's not super duper long. So PSA over. We can end whatever music was playing during all this. <laughs> I dig it. Okay. I dig it. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so um, this week, uh, two things happened recently. Number one, I finally beat Celeste. Yeah. I like sat down and I was like, I'm going to beat this. Uh, I think I talked about it a little bit last week, mm-hmm. um, but I like I set I for sure beat it, um, and started going back through and like finding some of the like things I. Th- I had thought that, like, over time, you gain powers over time. Yes. I thought that I would be able to play the earlier levels with those powers. The answer is no. Mm-hmm. You can't. So that's disappointing. Yeah. Um, because I really wanted to. But, like, within reason, I'm going to go back and get things. The part of the game I don't think I'm going to complete yeah. are all the B-sides. Yeah. Those oh, are yeah. a nightmare. No, those are... Like, and that's the thing about the, the well, B-sides. B-sides. B-sides are remixed versions of the regular levels. Right. And the, by remixed, they're made incredibly harder. It's basically um, like Super Meat Boy, mm-hmm. like on like steroids kind of stuff. It blows my mind how hard some of them are because in uh, I've I played through the first like world of the B sides on my Switch. Yeah, and then I, I literally just gave up. I I was like, I, yeah, I, I it's do not no, worth I, it. I was like, it's not it's not fun enough uh-huh. to do it. However, if you wanted uh, on to to like, hey, get all the achievements or like whatever, you can always. Turn on all of the assist modes. Yeah, you can. And then just run through it and get that achievement. But I feel like that's not like, that's not fair. No, that's not fair. It definitely isn't. It's definitely one of those I like, w- oh, that's one of those achievements <sighs> that I, you know, kind of like, oh, I looked at a guide for that or, you know, the, yeah. it's basically like, uh, I don't know, one of the games that you just load up and yeah. it gives you an achievement just for loading in you I'm know, not, or I'm, whatever. I'm not going to do that just because I wouldn't feel right with myself. Like, like, well, I just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it, to me, like the B sides level or harder levels of 
um, a platformer to me is like, well, if you really love shooters and you play yep. it on the hardest difficulty, hardcore difficulty 100%. or whatever, or veteran difficulty, yep. like which I like to do. Yeah. I love to do that. But that's because I love first-person shooters. Right. So I wouldn't recommend that to someone who just like doesn't like that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So that's why I'm not a, I'm not a huge like platformer guy. Yeah. So like I have no like drive to just like <laughs> barrel through these B-sides. It's fascinating in the platformer genre that that has become so much of a standard where it's like, oh, you have the normal campaign. And then after that, there are these bonus levels that get progressively harder. So yeah. for example, like uh, Odyssey, more Super Mario Odyssey, they have this end game. After yeah. you finish the main campaign, you go to the, like the, the dark side of the moon. Cause you, and then you go to the darker side of the moon. So you unlock two completely just outrageously hard worlds yeah. for that end game if you really want to take part in it. Like, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm actually more okay with doing that than I am with, like, Shovel Knight, which I never finished because mm -hmm. it just got unbelievably hard. Man, Shovel Knight, I finished... Um, I finished it on was it 3DS? Probably. And yeah, then I, I picked it, the it up time. again on Vita. I played on Vita as well. And then I forgot everything on Vita. Yeah. And uh, and apparently, like the the DLC that they've had with that game specifically, like they've had uh, the Plague Knight DLC and the King Knight DLC. It is basically additional games, but because of the way that they worded their Kickstarter, they couldn't just release another game. And so they had to release these as DLC rather than like additional new standalone games. Like they can't release a Shovel Knight 2? So whenever they like they so overfunded their Kickstarter, they had to create all these additional like goals. And the goals were Plague Knight DLC and King Knight DLC and on and on through all of the DLCs. They, they just finally released yeah. the last DLC that they had promised in their Kickstarter. Yeah. And essentially, that DLC constituted rather than just doing oh you can this is a playable character same levels or whatever or even remixed levels because I think Plague Knight was a remix but mm -hmm. the others were just brand new levels that they put out and uh, essentially brand new campaigns brand new games that they I, I feel like they should have just broken out and released separately because you would get a, they would get a bigger pop for that they would, oh you know more people would buy it or I don't know yeah. because I'm not going back but if they as soon as they release an, a, another game yeah, yeah. a full game I mean I never finished I'm the first one it, that was kind of my point like it was just too hard it, so it like, was very hard I, like I would rather them like okay well let's put all the hard stuff in because yeah. I mean honestly even, even Celeste was hard enough mm -hmm. like well, yeah, and I as, think it, as it stood it has fewer mechanics than than uh True. than something like shovel knight where oh yeah. i've the pogo stick thing and now you can swipe at these other enemies and yeah whereas there's very few in actually enemies or no enemies yeah, I mean, necessarily in true. Uh, in Th celeste there's a lot yeah i would say there's not like your abilities like you have less abilities yes there are more mechanics game like in-game environmental mechanics mm -hmm. than i think are in that's true shovel knight that's true so it's kind of a trade-off yeah um, anyway, that's beside all this is beside the point. <laughs> I played Celeste, finished it, loved it, great. I'm gonna go back and get all the strawberries and that stuff, but then I'm done with it. Awesome. Um, and then, John, I've been playing a lot of the division too. Yeah, I was wondering. It came out last week. Man, that game is amazing. So, number one, first off, first impressions. Um, this is like what I think I wanted from the division. One, yeah, the first time around, mm. um, where there's all these cool RPG elements to it. Mm -hmm. 
you have these uh, the main missions. Like I felt like in the Division One, you would run from like main mission to main mission to main mission to main mission. For sure. Uh, Maybe this, collect some audio logs or or some hologram yeah. things uh, on the way. But yeah, which which that stuff's in this game, but it's like it's taken kind of a backseat to like uh, that. You have a lot of side missions you unlock. You have um, these uh, division tech like locations you can go uh, unlock to upgrade your your character. Um, and then you have uh, control points hmm. and safe houses. Safe houses you can, are kind of the same as before. You can just kind of creep into them, yeah. and then they unlock a fast travel point. Then, <laughs> I remember <laughs> yeah. making a mad dash for one uh-huh. um, in Division yeah, 1. Yeah, deep inside like a, a, an area where it's like too high level for you. <laughs> You're way over your head in there, yeah. and, and I remember sprinting to this safe house. Um, but then these control points, you basically have to, you have to fight to get into them, hmm. and then you like... Uh, throw up a flare and you have to defend it then in order to unlock it as a fast travel point cool with a resupply and all that kind of stuff that's really cool yeah it's really cool and so like I've I've found myself I've maybe done like five main missions but I've done so many side missions because the side missions sometimes are as big as the main missions and all these control points and all this other kind of stuff I, I have tried to sneak into some areas it's really a lot harder this time um this is this game compared to the first one the first one you could kind of like as much as the the enemies were just bullet sponges and just a tank, basically like you were a tank too. You could just right. like literally walk down the middle of the street and just mm-hmm. shoot at people. Yeah, you didn't have sh- to be behind cover most of the time. No, this is like 100% a cover-based shooter. So any enemy can just like run up on you and just blast you. And if like if they're like a couple levels above you, yeah. uh, one shot, man, Good luck, and, and yeah. you're just dead. <laughs> um, and so you really have to like be uh, careful about who you're engaging in where and all that kind of stuff, which I like. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot better job of like, they they try to flank you. Um, they like, they get you like, it's a government shooter, but you can't just stay still. Mm. Like you can't just stay in one spot. You you have to like move around. That's cool. Some of that I like, some of it and like some of the control points, I'm like, there's actually zero, there's no defensible location in this entire thing. Like, and so I'd have to like go outside of the control point fire the flare and like watch everybody run in and just like ambush them basically, which is kind of cool. Maybe that's their strategy. Maybe that's what they wanted you to do. Right. But like, um, you can't just like post up inside the control point and And defend it it. on on all of them. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Fascinating. Um, and I think the variety is really, really cool. The other awesome thing is the accuracy. So like New York city was like, I think they was like one sixth the size or something like that. Mm -hmm. At least the part of the mall that we're on yeah. is like literally a one-to-one representation of of uh, Washington D.C. To the extent that so when Didi and I went there a couple um, uh, summers ago, right after we went and saw like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and all that, we we left there. We walked um, down a couple blocks, or and there was this kind of like uh, botanical garden kind of area, and then there was this. Um, little cafe with all these windows that cafe cafe that we ate lunch in yeah like with all the windows is there that's awesome like and every other place that i've and i'm like i wonder if mm-hmm. this is there it's totally there yeah it's yeah. crazy whenever i was playing the beta like we i we i visited there uh, a couple years ago as well like catherine had a conference there and i went with 
And uh, so during the day, like while she was at the conference or whatever, I would go and run around the city. Like I just yeah. ran around the mall, um, put on my backpack, get my water and like just go on a jog, like see all the see all the sites, all the memorials and stuff. And uh, but we did a tour through on one of the evenings. We did a tour through the um, the theater. Uh, where uh, Abraham Lincoln was shot, mm, mm-hmm. and there's a tour thing that goes through that whole thing, and that that was one of the locations, like one of the safe houses mm-hmm. in the Beta, and like looking around that street, like look going up and down that street, everything looked exactly the mm-hmm. same as I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy, wild, uh, and I and I have yet to like. Um, I've gone in like two main missions, and I like because there are spoilers, so I won't like. One of the missions that goes inside, I forget what it's called, but like one of the museums, it was the um, Smithsonian. No, it, it was oh. it was like the uh, the one one about the press, and it talks about the printing press, cool. and like, and then there's a a uh, radio station, TV studio. There's all these like exhibits inside there. Cool. I'm about to go into the Air and Space Museum, mm. and so I'm like really interested to be like, is that as accurate on the inside as it was in this other that's uh, cool. museum? That's really cool. Um, it's. So the other side of that that's really fascinating, like the the idea of like recreating this city so well and mm-hmm. in these locations so well, and saying what can we do that's fun within these pre existing areas. Yeah. Um. In one of the interviews that I was listening to with the, one of the creators, they said that one of the other cool things that they did was the places that you obviously don't have access to. So like, mm. oh, these are a the bunker or, or a yeah. like these these cordoned off areas where it's like yeah. no one has access, no one knows what's behind there. Yeah the idea behind their developers saying what works behind, like what can we do behind there that would be yeah. really fun? And, and rather than having like a pre-existing thing and what can we do that's fun inside of this area, it's what kind of an area fits with the world back there that we can make yeah. fun. You know? yeah. So it's just a, a really <laughs> unique mesh of reality mm-hmm. and fiction that mm-hmm. I, I find fascinating. Well, and like, and it makes me, it makes me super pumped to be, to do some of the in-game stuff, so like, mm-hmm. I I, lo- I love the fact that like you know if you remember the Division One, there was no in-game raid like right. already on the map or anything like they they put that in after the the game had been released like a right. long time after. Well, De- it was which, up in like this weird corner. Yeah, which Destiny kind of followed that like yeah. because they didn't release their raids until later, but still. Um, but it was it was within like that was a, a part of the roadmap yeah. to begin with. Whereas I don't think with Division One it was necess- yeah. like it was with the first DLC. Right. So. Right now on the map, you can see where the strongholds are. Cool. Like where the raid in-game mater- like content is. Hmm. And like one of them is the Capitol building. And I'm just mm. like, oh, man, I can't wait to just like, what That's are fun. they, what are we going to fight through? And like we're going to be in like the house chambers, you yeah. know, like all that kind of stuff. Or down in the the basement with all the like columns and stuff like that, like. I, I mean, that's awesome too. Because and just knowing that that's the end game now, like yeah. that's that's what I'm going for. That's really cool. That's such a large area, just in general, and then to it's such a well known because like, you can go tour the Capitol, right. you can go through every single room, pretty much of the Capitol. Yeah. Like, I don't know, like that's awesome. I uh, that's exciting, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. So anyway, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, like just leveling up. Like the the guns feel great still. I think that. Um, even more so this time because it is more of a cover-based shooter. It's important to like, okay, what are my range guns? What are my um, shotguns? I think like in terms of the this is something I got overwhelmed with in the first division was just like all the gear, all the knee pads. Yeah, because well, not only that, but you would have your and you still have that like <laughs> so the pieces that go on your body. Yeah, but then you used to have like 
here's this scope and then this scope and then this scope and not only are there different types but now they're different rarities mm-hmm. and different like they do different things to the guns and yeah. so like you ended up with like well there's in your mods stash, there was mods to your gear right. as well that you would strap in there it's like why so much of that stuff yeah this time it's like it's tied to your um phoenix points and so like there are different and and there are blueprints and so there's different ways to uh, create different attachments, but once once you unlock one attachment, mm-hmm. you've unlocked it for every gun that fits oh, that attachment. Cool. So and it's there's like, no like oh, rarity all of to the it. SMGs. I now have a scope for it. Yep. Oh, that's really cool. And you can that's choose, way better. You can choose to put it on or not. Like the, the grips, like everything. And so it's that's like, really oh nice. man, great. I don't have to like keep all this junk around because I might need it for this one gun. Right. Well, because I would just shove cool. all of these sights and and like say grips into my box, uh-huh, the stash, and and just sit it there because who knows what you know they're going to change next week about the uh, the different guns, like which gun's going to be the right. the best gun. Yeah. And I would want a grip for it. And yeah. who wants to go hunt around? You know, I just want it and, in my box. So. And this time around, it's very clear. Like, I mean. The damage, like the way the damage, like modifiers, everything's very clear as to what's happening mm-hmm. and what is the best piece of gear to be using in this moment. Mm-hmm. There isn't this confusing spider bubble if you pair this with this and blah, blah, yeah. blah. And there's some of that, but like it's very clear what bonuses are in effect and which yeah. ones aren't. And so, like the set bonuses, like it's like, oh, yeah. you have this specific uh, hat that matches this shirt, and yep. then, but I only have those two equipped. So now yeah. this th- tier of of perk is unlocked, but if I get the pants, this other better thing happens. Yeah. yeah and that's cool. And the blueprints. I think um, that. Again, they scale with your level, which is cool. So, like, I have blueprints for basically almost all of I've, I've either found them or unlocked them. So, say I find a green out there and I'm level 10. I just hit level 10. Yeah. And I find a green level 10. I'll put it on, but I know I, if I have the crafting material, I can go back to my base and craft a really good le- level 10 blue. Hmm. No matter what level I'm at. Cool. And I can just re- keep recrafting. That's probably going to be better than this thing I just picked up. Yeah. Possibly. And so, like, say you you have encountered, you know, you, you're all decked out. You're level 10, and you have level, you know, 10 most of your gear. Maybe you have a level 9 holster. Mm-hmm. But you, like, for the life, you can't find a level 10 backpack. Your backpack's still, like, level 6. Just go craft it. Like, yeah. Forget looking for it. That's awesome. You know, I don't know. I feel like they've, they've taken the frustration out of collecting things. Yeah. And you know, like, really easily... Um, that this piece of gear has been outpaced within like a couple levels, right. so you don't feel attached to try to keep it around. Yeah, because the damage level says it's really high or something. Right. No, just get rid of it. It's That's not awesome. good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, especially if you can just craft another one, like yeah. you know, at that same. And you don't have to worry about the mods that are on it. Right. Like. That's great. Yeah. That that does remove a lot of the pain points of this style of game yes. where you're constantly up until the end game, you're constantly shuffling through gear and trying yeah. to figure out what gets you this perk or that perk and mm-hmm. which loadout should I use. So that's really nice. Yeah. They had some bugs at launch, like with some of your skills, meaning like the, you know, turret you would put down or the drone you would put throw out. Um, but they've fixed all that and I really love how those play. Like I think, you know, this time they have really kind of toned in on what kind of gear do I need for this cover-based shooter mm-hmm. that will benefit you? You know, cool. so a drone that will you can make it target different people, or do you need something that heals you? Something that if you're playing alone, you can get uh, gear and carry it with you that will revive you if you get killed. That's awesome. Auto revive you. That's so. something I was going to ask. Was like how much of your playtime has been with others, and how much of it has been solo? Yeah, literally, like the majority of my time has been solo. That's cool, and uh, that excites me because I'll probably pick it up like next month whenever I have a little bit more time or something. Yeah. Like, you know, and then 
dive in, but right. I'll be behind everybody, and so I'll probably be playing through solo. So yeah. that's exciting from from that perspective. Yeah, and honestly, like the the only times that I because there are checkpoints in the missions, the only times whenever I um, wish I was with someone else, somebody else is whenever I'm either in the open world and mm-hmm. something crazy happens, and I go down, mm-hmm. um, and maybe I've already used up my revive or. Um, like on one of the control points and I have to like run from the safe house all the way across. Mm. So like that would be cool to like, those are the, those are the things, but I never like when I'm in a mission, I just, I never feel like, I feel like number one, if I've died, it's my fault. Yeah. And number two, um, I don't necessarily feel like I have to have somebody else go as long as you're being, you know, don't go to a level 12 mission if you're right. level eight, You're right. you know, like just be <laughs> smart about it. That's the thing. I, I also feel like with Ubisoft specifically, like now you saying all of this, it rings true to like oh, the things that I loved or am, and am loving about uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm, yeah, but they yeah. took a lot of the, just the frustrations of RPG elements and the yep. frustrations of traversal and the frustrations of over leveling or under leveling or, or whatever. They've taken all that out and just yeah. left the fun. Yeah, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's that's obviously a more of a gear based and hey, I'm going to upgrade this gear and stuff uh, than something like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But it definitely has a lot of the same hooks and a lot of the same elements yeah. of uh, of easy, just easy gaming. Yeah. You know. That being said, I'm super pumped about it. Like I I literally like can't wait right now to go and play it tonight. Yeah. Like I mean, that's it's one of those games where you know sometimes you you hit on a game and you're just like, oh man, I can't wait to go play it. Just gnaws you know? on the back of your brain all day. Uh huh. Yeah, and I love that's it. and that's what what's happening with me right now. Um, side note: Before we move on into the news, I wanted to point out that you mentioned Celeste. They they have a Celeste soundtrack on cassette Ooh. available uh, through FanGamer.com, and that's just like that's relatively new. But they they've sold out of other things in the past like that before, and they have the B sides and the Celeste cassette soundtrack. So yeah. both of those on cassette. So I didn't get it for ten and twelve bucks. You sent it to me on vinyl recently, and I yeah. forgot to get it. I think I still have that available there. I think okay. it's like it, it's it still uh, in the pre-order phase okay. technically, I'm gonna and pre-order so it. they don't have it in stock yet. But it, like they're getting pre-orders to then you know have it made or I'm whatever. Do it. So yeah, all right. Um, but yeah, the Celeste vinyl soundtrack, the uh, the Celeste cassette soundtrack, and the Celeste B sides soundtrack nice. are all available. So on, each uh, separate cassettes. Uh, yeah, there's two cassettes. It's a Celeste B sides and a Celeste uh, soundtrack. So. I know a lot of people wanted the soundtrack whenever, the, like, because the, they released the B sides on cassette, and a lot of people were like, "Oh man, can I get the regular soundtrack on cassette?" <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, sure, you can do that. Yeah. We can, we can make You're that happen." You're saying you'll give me money for something? Okay, yes. Because yeah. I know uh, Lenorain, the composer, like she was, she, like people kept asking her. She was, she was like, "Well, I made the decision to like put the B sides there because like that's what you collect the cassettes in the game oh, of the B sides." I didn't even think about that. And she's like, "So it's like, it's like that. Look like that. Cassette? It looks like that cassette. I, t- I have one over here, but it's oh, like." Nice. It looks like that cassette. That's cool. And she's like, it just didn't occur to me that you would want the soundtrack on cassette as well. Yeah. She's like, but we can figure that out. Let's so, do this. I might get it. Um, yeah. I have been less into collecting cassettes than I used to because I no longer have a car that takes cassettes. That's amazing. That looks so cool. Yeah, dude. I'm probably going to get this is it. This the B side. So it has a B and a C side. That's cool. <laughs> which is cool. Yeah, uh, because I used to drive that Ford Taurus, and yeah. uh, it had a cassette player in it, so yeah. I would actually play my cassettes. Well, like whenever you played me the uh, the what was it Blink One Eighty Two oh, yeah. uh, cassette, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah, what's funny is there was uh, on their most recent album, California, the mm-hmm. song California, mm-hmm. um, actually sounded better on cassette <laughs> than it does on MP3. <laughs> That's fascinating. Um, and it's because of the way the compression yep. works. Yep. It actually sounded like it had more life mm-hmm. on the cassette than it did on does on the uh, the 
real version. Well, or tape or just in version. general adds a uh, adds some harmonic distortion yeah. and adds compression. And so just depending on what you have, like potentially that mix may have just needed a little bit more harmonic distortion and uh, compression. So. Yeah, I think it needs some natural compression. That's right. I mean, that's what tape is just in general is. Um, there are whole services that you can send off your like something to and they'll run it through like a, a tape machine and uh, send it back to you. That's awesome. That's really cool. All right. So it uh, sounds like both of us have some Apex Legends to talk about, but that's part of the news. The news. All right. The news, John. The news. Uh, can I just jump into the, uh, this is what the battle pass is? Yes. A hundred percent. So um, we've talked t- about Apex before. Everyone knows what Apex Legends yeah. is. If battle you have Royale it, it's game free. From Respawn. It's really good. First person shooter. Free to play, um, so not on your phones. They finally uh, announced their uh, battle pass. That's right. And they also released a new character. Did you uh, buy the new character yet? No, 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 no. I haven't. I, I, uh, I don't have enough credits to do it because I bought a skin, like with some of the in-game credits uh, that I yeah, earned. Okay. And so I was, yes, I ah, have not I see, bought yeah. the new character. So yet. I had saved all that up because mm-hmm. I was going to buy the caustic, the one that um, came with the original. Yeah. But then, like. I don't know. I'm not a trap kind of guy. And I'm like, I'm just going to wait for the next hero that comes out. So I am not going to lie. I've not encountered, been on a team with a good caustic save for one time. Yeah. And I'm telling you that that, that player was just putting traps out all day long. Yeah. It was, it was hilarious how many <laughs> traps were just all over the battlefield. I, I don't know. We won that match. That's amazing. And the traps helped. But honestly, like that's the only time I've ever had like someone have success. Yeah. With the caustic trap. Yeah, it's just not my thing. Uh, but this new legend named called Octane. Yeah. That is my thing. Yeah. Super super fast characters running around doing fast things. That's right. Totally my thing. That's right. That's why that's why I love. That's why that's Black so Ops good. Three was my favorite. Uh, no wait, Black Ops Two was my favorite multiplayer. Yeah. Of all time ever. Yeah. So fast. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm going to read this. This was from the PlayStation blog because there wasn't anything from uh, Epic's website that I could find that was legitimate, Okay, like an, an actual explanation of things. Yep. Um, the hunt is on. Welcome to the Wild Frontier. The first season of Apex Legends is here, and tons of great stuff is dropping into the arena. Uh, okay, so... They could have had a triple rhyme there, but they didn't, didn't go for it. Yeah, so we talked about Octane a little bit. He uh, he has uh, he can use some of his health to go faster, and then he also has a jump pad that he drops down. Super cool. Yep. So the Battle Pass Season 1 uh, is going to work a lot like Fortnite's Battle Pass. So if you're familiar with how that works, that's how it works. There's like some free tiers that you can level up if you don't get it, but then mm-hmm. if you do, there's all these things that... Um, it will unlock their skins. Uh, here, I'll just read through this. Um, uh, battle pass. Once you buy the pass, every level you gain unlocks a battle pass reward like a weapon skins, banner frames, XP boosts, and more. Some of them are, uh, what do they call? The, the Apex. trackers. Well, yeah, trackers Stat for your characters. Uh, voice um, yeah, kill. Yeah, the voice tracks. Intro um, lines. What are the things called? Apex, not packs, the... Uh, Oh, what is it called? The, the it's little, basically a loot box. Yeah, the loot box is basically um, you'll you score three Wild Frontier themed legend skins immediately when you purchase the pass, which they don't look great. Like I equipped them just to have them, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I'll probably move on from them in a while. It's it, it, honestly, if you really like them, awesome. But they were not different enough from some of the other ones that are available um, for me to really 
care that much about them. So yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, they have like certain loot boxes that are like guaranteed to have legendary yeah. or epic. I thought that know. idea was really cool. That part's really cool. I, I kind of wish. Well, I, I like it except for the fact that it's random. I right. wish I would knew what I was working toward. Right. Um, and I think for the for overall, uh, in terms of like what they're offering in the battle pass compared to Fortnite's battle pass, I. Wish there were more like fancy, mm-hmm. shiny, flashy things yep. in this yep. that are more easily identifiable as coming from the battle pass. Agreed. You know, yeah. Like the first season of, or the it was actually the second season, but the first one where they actually had anything like real good in it for the battle pass for Fortnite was that Black Knight, mm-hmm. and like I love just pulling out the Black Knight every yeah. once in a while, and you, but like there's nothing like that level where you're like, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, and and the other thing about this battle pass is, like you said, like there's a lot that you don't immediately know that you're gonna get. Like I'm working towards that skin, or I'm working yeah. towards that thing. Some of them are random, um, kind of loot box situations. The other thing is they have so many things broken out into separate unlocks, like all of the trackers. Where it's oh, in order to have a kill tracker for this, spe- like SMGs or whatever, you have to get that out of a loot box, and so right. everything is so. Uh, separated in Apex Legends, that this feels like more of the same. Where it's like, oh, you get all of these stat trackers and you get all of these uh, weapon skins, and th- it was like, well, I'm yeah. unlocking those constantly anyway. So, yeah. what's different about these specific ones? Well, yeah, and here's the other thing: like for the ten dollars, uh, like, what does it get you versus the free version? So, in, in the free version of the Battle Pass, you get one Wild Frontier Legend skin, hmm. five Apex packs, the loot boxes. 18 Wild Frontier stat trackers. So, like, the other things are things like XP boosts, the rare, a couple rare and legendary loot boxes, the free skins right off the bat, like, the, some weapon skins. There's not a ton that are, there's not a ton in there that makes it feel like it's necessarily worth paying for it. But yeah. again, it's only like, if, uh, so I have EA access. If you have EA access, it's only like $750 or something like right, that. Right, right. So it's like, okay, cool. I'm paying less than $10. For this, I think it's probably worth what I'm getting, but yeah. um, well, I you, would like to see more. If you compare it to the prices of some of the other skins that they have available, um, weapon skins and things like that, it's, it's a massive deal because True. some of those like weapon skins, like the uh, the, the more fancy ones, yeah. are have been in the store and they've been ridiculously priced, like twenty bucks, hundred yeah, um, percent. And so ten dollars for these things, even if you made it halfway through, it's you know comparatively worth it it's just i wish there was more of a grab at my attention like oh here's a super fancy thing yeah here's something you have to have yeah this is a uh like this... for example the pets like in uh mm-hmm. in Fortnite that though the, a couple seasons yeah. ago like it's like the, immediately it, i was like i can have a dog in a backpack just give me a really cool skin give me like a, a, br- a bright gold skin or like right. one that has a cool animation on it or i don't know i don't know just like you know how like the what is it bloodhound mm-hmm. he has that one skin that like literally changes the way he looks, like mm-hmm. he has like a uh, a different hat on. Yep. Um. He, I think it's a different mask too. Mm-hmm. And like, do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you doing that in this rather than just giving it a different paint job? Yeah. Basically, just give me like a legendary skin, which is yeah. which are fancier than the skins that are in this pack. Yeah. Basically. Honestly, like you know, if I wasn't playing Apex a lot, yeah, I wouldn't get this. Yeah. But I I feel like I'm playing it enough that like it warrants me doing it. Agreed. I but, mean. And I've had so much fun with the game. I've, oh, I've put totally. a lot of time into the game, and and to not pay anything so far, it's like, well, ten bucks is to yeah. get these other things is really reasonable to uh, to 
to continue playing this game and have something to shoot for yeah. uh, a longer term. Yeah, I feel the same way uh, about this as I do with Fortnite. Yeah. Like, I, I love the Battle Pass system. You can opt in, opt out anytime you want to. Yep. And, you know, if you don't play it for one season, hey, you don't buy it. But then if you are, then it's only 10 bucks right. or less. Why would you not? Right. Um, if you're having fun with it and it gives you something else to go for and aim for. Um, I like one thing that they have introduced that I'm I'm actually okay with uh, with Apex are like the daily and like weekly challenges. Mm-hmm. I like that idea in Fortnite only because in Fortnite I f- I feel like it it's hard. Sometimes I don't want to play Fortnite to try to win Fortnite. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I enjoy playing it and doing a different objective. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apex I feel like it's fast paced enough that if I'm try- like I don't want to have to try to make it across the map. Oh, and yeah. visit these different locations or well, collect these different things. And there's a, an inherent frustration involved with that, yeah. with a game like Apex that is a fast-paced, skill-based yeah. uh, shooter. Whereas with Fortnite, there's a little bit of give and take because of the building aspect where it's like, oh, yep. I'm not great at shooting, but I'm great at navigating mm-hmm. my builds. And so you can dominate that way. And so... I feel like with Fortnite, there's enough there to where it's, we need these other things to like move me around the map. Yeah. Whereas with Apex, it's fun just to drop in and play the game yeah. rather than play the meta game behind the game. Yeah. Now there is like uh, at the end of the battle pass, there is like one exclusive weapon skin that requires you to like I think get like five kills with the hemlock or something like that. Like <laughs> cool, but it doesn't like it doesn't. Um, to me, it's like. If I don't love the hemlock, then mm-hmm. like I don't have to go for that. Yeah. Um, if well, I do, then I will. Yeah, the havoc if, havoc skin they have there that changes over the course of a map or whatever that's in the battle pass. Mm-hmm. I don't use that gun very much. Right. Don't enjoy using that gun very much. So I won't be disappointed if I miss out on that one. Yeah, I almost wish that like these skins that you're getting were applicable to every gun. Like yeah. you could throw it on any gun that you want, maybe, and maybe yeah. maybe those other like skins that they've come up with, those are locked to specific guns. But maybe mm. the battle pass skins would be lo- um, universal, or and even with it, with well, I guess I it thought would, the trackers be could be the same way. I was like, if I was going to tweak yeah. one thing about this, is like yeah. give me a, tr- a universal tracker like throughout the battle pass. Yeah. We will unlock oh kills this season yeah. with all of the characters. Like you don't have to do it one at a time, and yeah, it's it's. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that and the skins could be universal and would yeah. be. I'd be so it, much more happy. It, like, and I, I just don't feel like this is scalable if you continue to add more legends every season. It's because like potentially we could end up with a roster the size of Overwatch, mm-hmm. and in that in that scenario, you could go through a whole battle pass season and never get anything for the character that you actually play the most. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you think about even even a more extreme example of. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege. I think they've said like they're quoted as saying we want there to be a hundred different operators, yeah. so a hundred different characters. And so if you have you know twenty different characters or a hundred characters, it's yeah you're never going to get yeah. something for the character that you. It's want. just not scalable the way it is. And I I could I mean this is season one, and if we look at something like Fortnite as right. an example, and I think that's who they're like going after. Yeah. Uh, from season to season, things change a lot. Yeah. I'm not saying we'll see like the map kind of map changes that we've seen, maybe, but uh, I think definitely with like how the battle pass is laid out, and I mean they're they've been pretty uh, responsive to the community so far, just like Epic has. I mean that's the thing that's made Epic and Fortnite so uh, appealing and so successful. Yeah, is they've listened to their fans. And very quick to move and, yeah. and to tweak things and to uh, talk about things. Yeah, so. and it seems like you know that 
EA and Respawn specifically yeah. are doing the same here. Agreed. Yeah. Um, other in, in, uh, video game news. Yes. We've got some Nintendo Direct stuff. Yes. It's a Nindies Direct. So very quickly, Cuphead is coming to Switch. Yeah, I'm super pumped about this. And this is like the first, um, this is standalone. So this isn't part of the like battle. We were talking about the uh, Game Pass coming to Switch potentially. Right. This is not that. But it's not that. This is part of Xbox Live coming to Switch. Yeah. And the, what they've said is the features will roll out over time mm-hmm. post-release of Cuphead. So, like, I mean, I, you know, I, we were kind of in our group chat talking earlier this week, and I'm like, man, wouldn't it be awesome? And I even thought about this before. If you could bring over your Xbox Live cloud save. That'd be so cool. If I could buy, I would buy Cuphead again on the Switch mm-hmm. if I could bring over my save from the Xbox 360. Yeah, the fascinating thing is I will probably buy it again eventually. Like if it goes on sale or whatever, I'll buy yeah. it uh, at a reduced price. But if it was yep. a, hey, transfer my save over and pick up where you left off on Xbox, yep. yeah, you're right. I would Day one, I would just be in there. Yes. Um, so the minute, if, they, if that comes over, that feature comes over, I would totally do it. I also find it fascinating that they are using this as like, a test case for these other Xbox Live features yeah. coming over to Nintendo Switch, yeah. um, which is which is really interesting that they're being that transparent about it. Where they're like, "Oh, this game wanted to be on Switch. We decided, yeah, let's do this, and we can use that as a beta test for our Xbox Live features yeah. being on Switch." I don't remember. Cuphead is not uh, co-op playable online, right? No, just just local. So that's the part that, yeah, that's why it surprises me because mm-hmm. part of Xbox Live that they've touted that they're bringing over to the Switch is, you know, friends lists, yeah. voice chat. Why in the world do I need either one of those if I'm playing Cuphead? That's true. You know? 100% that's true. I wonder if it's just more of a slower rollout and this was a something that uh, Studio MDHR really wanted to well, do like what, because uh, Switch uh, is a great place for indies to publish their games. Definitely. And maybe this is just like, well, if they have to put, if they if they had to put Xbox Live on here in order to do it, mm-hmm. I just don't like what Xbox Live features besides the cloud saves mm-hmm. would we possibly use with Cuphead? I mean, achievements, which are there from day one, sure. Achievements, same as Minecraft. Yeah, like, yeah. Minecraft That's on Switch true. had achievements as well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, achievements, and then uh, yeah, you would assume you know potentially some if they wanted to do like an online thing but again the game doesn't support that no. on xbox either, unless they're so. going to add that yeah yeah that's which i mean i would be okay with them adding that it but. makes me wonder about other like because this game's coming over and like this is the first one and it's like oh well but it's it's a a external studio developing it but microsoft published yeah, it yeah. they have the rights to publish this game it makes me wonder about things like Ori in the Blind Forest. Like, mm-hmm. uh, will which again, that has, has no multiplayer? Right, game doesn't have multiplayer, but that would be a really good home yeah. on Switch. Oh, totally, man. Ori, I would play through that whole game again. Agreed. Um, and I don't know. I, I I don't know what would come over next. Maybe Minecraft would have the voice chat and get the multiplayer. Like they Definitely. already have the multiplayer, yeah, the crossplay, and things like that are still like they're possible on Switch. Yeah, so I, and that's where I'm kind of like well, voice what, chat. What, what, I mean, maybe it's all behind the scenes. Yeah. But what does that mean? That's different from like things like Minecraft right now. Yeah, agreed. And I guess this is this is part of the whole. Hey, if you want to use these features, this is similar to whenever. Um, Uh, Epic Games said that, hey, we're going to let you use all of these behind-the-scenes developer tools uh, to do voice chat and to do the cross-play and things like that. We're going to provide these out there for developers. If they want to use them, they can. This is kind of Microsoft has has said the same thing. This was like earlier this year. They said, oh, throughout the entire year, we'll slowly release development kits. Unreal Engine or something like that? uh, To go with uh, whatever Fortnite's in. So yeah, Unreal. Unreal. Yeah. And uh, and Epic is is like, hey, we're gonna let you use the software development kits to potentially do your own crossplay if you want mm. and stuff. So just 
it's it's interesting to see Microsoft make those moves, and maybe that's what they're doing behind the scenes with their games first, in order to then provide that to all of their uh, ID at Xbox, you know, developers or whatever. So yeah, it's just weird to to see these moves happen. Yeah. Other Nintendo Direct news: We have a new game that mm. was uh, announced and had a debut trailer. Was Red Lantern? It is a super cool looking yeah. uh, dog sled ra- game. <laughs> I, no, narrative I, that, game. I, yeah, okay, yeah, narrative. <laughs> I, I, calling it a dog sled <laughs> game makes me think of like you know like a trucking simulator, like dog yeah, sled yeah, simulator yeah. or something. That's not what it is. <laughs> no, no, it's, it, it has a really cool like cell shaded look, but it's a very like narrative driven trailer. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of like uh, Overwatch or not Overwatch. Gosh dang it, uh, Firewatch. Yes, that's the art style. You've got me. You throw me all off, <laughs> making me think this is a dog sled it's a dog simulator sled game. You know, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's about a uh, a woman who has decided, hey, get a bunch of dogs, let's go up and go to uh, the Iditarod, do the Iditarod, and, and uh, apparently you can make choices throughout it, and uh, depending on what you choose, like different things may happen. In the trailer, we saw a bear attack. Yeah. And uh, one of the dogs uh, was <laughs> like Revenant style, missing from from, from the uh, the dog sleds the next day. So yeah, anyway, so it's, it looks like a, it, I'm very interested oh, in this sure. game. The uh, the uh, voice actor is uh, is Ashley Birch. She did the Horizon Zero Dawn uh, uh, main character as well. Nice. And uh, so I'm I'm super interested. Yeah, in Yeah, it looks game. really really cool. And, and anything that looks like Firewatch. You're in. I'm in. That's I'm awesome. all in. I'm so excited to play Firewatch finally because oh like, of the, the raving reviews you've given it. I think you're going to love it. Um, the next thing, the last thing of the entire direct was Crypt of the Necromancer meets Zelda, The Legend of Zelda. It's the cadence of Hyrule, and it looks like a, a wild beat-driven Zelda game where you play as either Link or, uh, or Zelda. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like a rhythm game that you're dungeon crawling and attacking. Th- I, it looks amazing. Does it? Uh, so <laughs> you're like, does it? Well, I mean, I have it on my list to talk about because uh, I feel like it's Zelda. Yeah. So I have to. But this looks like something that I would not play and will not have any fun playing. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm I'm gonna try it. Sure. Um, that's great. You can report back. I have thought about actually picking up a Crypto of the Necromancer, which is the the this developer like it's their their game, and this is. The and I've never played that, it. but like I'm just not into you know like I've I've played Patapon and mm-hmm. like I'm just not into it, man. Yeah, yeah, just not, not into, into the stuff. rhythm games. No, and, and I don't even really understand the appeal of it. I'm just like, sure, I can keep a rhythm. I have no desire to do this within the context of this game, and I don't know, man. I love it. I, but then again, I like things like. Uh, Playing the drums on Guitar, Guitar Hero, Hero. Mm-hmm. or DJ Hero was one of my favorite games of all time. DJ Hero and DJ Hero 2. Taking a left turn, there's a game on Switch that I've been wanting to pick up. It's called Taiko Drum Master. Oh. And uh, well, the Taiko drums are those gigantic yeah. drums. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so like you're, it simulates that, but with the Joy-Con. <laughs> the, oh, my gosh. Where like, you're playing drums. And in fact, you can actually buy a peripheral <laughs> no. of actual an actual drum and play it with actual drumsticks. <laughs> All right. That sounds anyway, cool. like I, Actually, that part does sound it's, cool. <laughs> it's one of those games where I'm like, man, if I had like... I mean, would you learn to play drums that way? Basically, like, would you learn to be a drummer, a better drummer? You would learn, you would, yes, you would learn like different patterns and things like, because like you could do the, uh, Mm. like on the top and on the the side. I think it's, it's it's anything that like has a, uh, 
a moderate level of real world application. Whereas like just <laughs> pressing XB, yeah, yeah. you know, all the different things that I get confused in my mind about like out on some kind of crazy rhythm but has guitar zero hero, application anywhere else. Z- guitar hero, man. You I know? mean, it could possibly make me better at guitar. It gives <laughs> like helps the dexterity in my fingers. <laughs> Across four, four buttons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes five. Sometimes five. Yeah, you add that five fifth button. And then you had that like thing up at the top that was like this like uh, I don't know the solo bar. Yeah, the solo bar. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, man. See, like you know, gotta keep keep yourself limber. Oh my goodness, man! Rhythm games are hilarious. But I I'm into. I will pick this one up and try it just because it looks really. Beat Saber looks amazing, dude. Beat Saber looks really fun. And and I don't. I mean, maybe. I mean, maybe karate. Like it could add to your, you know, to your karate. I'm just skills. saying lightsabers, man. I'm lightsabers. just gonna just lay it out there. Like, why wouldn't you want to be better at lightsaber? Yeah. I would say, like, anything that like does that, something abnormal with beats looks cool. Yeah. If you're just using, if you're just like pressing buttons, X and Y, yeah, not, not my thing. I mean, I haven't. I I can honestly say, like, I haven't played that many of them because because yeah. because of the same thing. They just don't appeal to me that much. Yeah. But I haven't actually ever played one like this, where it's a dungeon crawling like yeah. rhythm game. It's, it's very one strange. of my least favorite mechanics in any game. I'm gonna actually two of them. I'm gonna give you two. Okay. Of them. okay. Like, uh, and most recent game I played it was, with this was Spider Man. Okay. You're in the middle of this fight. Oh yeah. You know, you're pressing the punch button, but all of a sudden it has you like, has you want, it wants you to press Y, and then it wants you to press X, and then it wants you to press B, and then B again, and then I was like, oh, come on, man, like just let me press the same button. Over and over again. I also, though, don't like whenever they're like, <laughs> if someone like grabs you and you have to break free, like in yeah, Arkham yeah. Asylum or something, you have to like mm-hmm. repeatedly press X mm-hmm. like until you like, because I have like literally have to like take off. I mean, I can't. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Part of me, like in in certain <laughs> aspects, uh, the the ones that are basically just cutscenes, like that you're pressing buttons in. Yeah. Part of me would almost rather those just be cutscenes. Agreed. There's very limited times where I've been like, that was a really good one of those. I don't need to interact with this. Yeah. The, uh, (laughs) I actually don't mind the ones where you have to, like, though, like, move the joystick to a location. Oh, yeah. And then press something. That's cool. That's fine. But just a, 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 what seems to be random sequence of, Button presses, yeah, not appealing to me. There's a hilarious, so a hilarious story from what was my game of the year last year. So like God of War, yeah, amazing game, loved like that that game to death. Like yeah. it's such a great game. There was a moment where it was sort of like a cutscene or whatever, like but it's like somebody's like punching you, right? Yeah, and it just I was like, man, he's like punched him for a really long time, and then I just realized after sitting there and watching it punch him for oh, like waiting for thirty you? seconds, it was waiting for me to like. <laughs> For me to hit the block button or whatever <laughs> and we just kept punching and punching i was like man this is like it's a bit excessive here like this is getting brutal and then you know, i was like oh wait oh i gotta press the button yeah, and so yeah. i press the button and it goes on or whatever it's I've like, what? before and I, and I can't i don't know what <laughs> what game it's been in but like uh, that'll happen sometimes and like and the only way i find out is because i die like oh <laughs> well this one i, I don't think it, to fight that person. i don't think it was gonna like it wasn't gonna like fail me ever yeah. but it was just constantly i was just like well this is very well, that's an odd <laughs> choice that's a really weird choice that you made why there. would they do this <laughs> um. Yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> we're talking about the Nintendo Switch. Oh, yeah. Well, game though. I think that's all the. Uh, I think that's all the. Oh, that was the case. Oh no, of the Hyrule Double Fine's next, next game. Oh, that's right. Called Rad. Mm-hmm. It looks really cool. It does look rad. I, and I love Double Fine. Double Fine. Um. So, Tim Schafer. I love love Tim Schafer. Yeah. Such a such a great developer. Um, all right, so also this week was, we got a first look at the Xbox One S All Digital Edition. Uh, got looks at the digital 
like what the box will look like. It mm-hmm. basically looks the same as an Xbox One S, only without a disk drive. Just a um, little, little smaller. And uh, the uh, uh, May uh, May seventh, two thousand nineteen, the launch is reportedly planned. Um, so this is uh, from WindowsCentral.com. Initially revealed by Brad Sims at Thoreau.com, Maverick is the codename of an up- upcoming Xbox One S model that has no disk drive. Instead, the console will be entirely digital. Recently, we revealed that we'll have a mid-April debut, likely at Inside Xbox, with an early mid-May launch window. Additional documents we received indicate that this launch date could be May 7th, with all existing Xbox markets targeted in a global, simultaneous release. Sounds serious. To protect the origins of these images, we've recreated the box art in Photoshop. Note the discless symbol at the bottom. Um, I mean, there's nothing special about this other than it just looks like an Xbox One S without a disk drive. Uh, but I love this. I love uh, so. Is how do you say that with the website? Thorot or is it Thoreau? I think it's, I think it's Thoreau. If if this is a French website, it's Thoreau. Okay, maybe it's Thorot. But well, the, it could be uh, has two T's. It probably is Thorot. I'm literally gonna bring them up um, whenever we talk about the Stadia or whatever here ah. in a minute. But uh, I want to say like they have a lot of like Xbox leaks, like really oh, like. Yeah kind of legit Xbox leaks. So I love that they're like, oh, they've we're going to... up a lot lately. Yeah, they have. But I feel like the... Uh, somebody's over there is talking to them like a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> What if they're just one person's accidentally like in a group text with a bunch of Microsoft employees? Yeah. It's just like, this was a mistake. It's just, yeah, it's just a group text. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the design of the Xbox One S all digital appears to be vertically identical to the current Xbox One S without the disk drive and eject button. The product shots we received seem to indicate that it will come with a one terabyte hard drive and with Forza Horizon 3, Sea of Thieves, and Minecraft digital codes bundled in the box. It doesn't look as though it will be bundled with Microsoft's Netflix-like subscription service for games, Xbox Game Pass. Our information suggests that the Xbox One S All-Digital Edition will have the lowest recommended retail price of all current Xbox One consoles, aimed at newcomers to the ecosystem, although the exact pricing is unknown at this time. It seems that Microsoft is keen to position the All-Digital Edition as a member of the Xbox One family, rather than a replacement to the Blu-ray disc based version it currently offers with the Xbox One S and Xbox One X. As such, it doesn't sound as though Microsoft is ready to ditch discs entirely mm-hmm. as it gears up to hit the next gen with the long-rumored Xbox Scarlet consoles, codenamed Lark- Lockhart and Anaconda. As with all rumors of this type, take it with a pinch of salt, the official announcement as plans can and often do change, but it seems pretty likely we'll be hearing more about the Xbox One S all-digital console very soon. Cool. So this is the thing, like... Well, there's a couple of thoughts that I have, and then we can move on real quick. Um, this even appeals to me on some level where I'm like, uh, and actually if it was, the part that doesn't appeal, appeal to me is that it's the same size. If it was smaller, that would make more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I substantially get, smaller. Yeah, I get that, sure, for manufacturing costs, redesigning the size of everything is not necessarily the best option. So, mm-hmm. But like, I don't have... Um, any need to have a disk drive necessarily in my bedroom, for mm-hmm. instance. I have my original Xbox in there, but like, why wouldn't I do this? Yeah. Um, or if I was like, well, just one one I could just like travel with, you know, like that kind of like sounds yeah. pretty cool. Um, Man, being able to take this to like on the road, like into a hotel and just plug it into yeah. the HDMI port, and it's like, man, there's no no disk drive. You don't have to worry about leaving your disk in there and getting no. scratched up or anything. And that sounds amazing. Yeah. I also like the, the other thought I have like with the disk drive stuff is like, I mean, I don't have that many disk games. Yeah. But I do watch 4K Blu-rays on right. my player all the time. 
And I would say that, like, Xbox probably has data for how often you actually do people are watching discs, oh, yeah. watching movies. So it makes me question. It's, it's like the extra, like, TV pass-through. I think I remember at one point, I think they said something like 50% of people's time were was spent, like, watching TV through their pass-through on the uh, Xbox One. So I'm like... Yeah, that's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, like because if you take that away, then that like takes you out of their ecosystem, which is mm-hmm. not what they want. Right. So I don't know things that so things that like as gamers, quote unquote, we're like, ah, oh, that's trash. Why would they do that? Like, people use it. Yeah. Well, and then I also, it makes sense that they would debut this and not replace the the lowest, like the the one with the disc, because their entire strategy recently has been play however you want. Yeah. And so whenever they announce, oh, like the Xbox One X is more powerful box is coming out, you can buy it. You also don't have to. Right. I'm still on my day one like Xbox right. and I'm fine. You can play the you same know? games. Yeah. It's, it, and so that idea of forwards compatibility, backwards compatibility, and play however the heck you want, it just, that makes sense. So I don't necessarily see them as holding this thing up and being like, this is the one to buy. Because for a lot of people, Guess what? It's not the one to buy. Right. Like the other, there's other offerings, but if you are on a budget and you have good internet, this is the one to buy. Yeah. So yeah, I I, uh, I I like all of the things that I've I've heard about this device. Yeah. It's just a cool addition. Uh. All right. We have some movie news. Toy Story Four. There's a trailer That's right. that dropped this week. It looks, looks so, so good. Looks so good. Um. I can't wait to see what happens. Like. This is a good long trailer. It's a good long trailer. It also like the trailer for this movie at least like has a, like didn't resonate like with me a super like at a emotional level mm-hmm. as much as like I think that I would expect. But I am more okay with more of a fun kind of Toy Story romp mm-hmm. than like something heavy like Toy Story three again. I mean, Toy Story three, fantastic film, yes. so good. Multiple times I, I cried, I wept openly during during that movie. Yeah. But I also think it's a really heavy movie at some points. Yeah. And there like I think about the other Toy Story things that I've enjoyed over the years. Like I, I enjoy a lot of like the Halloween episodes like we watched this past year, yeah. the Toy Story of Terrors. Yeah. And then a lot of the other side things that they've gotten, um, like Party Source Rex and things. And those are all like really fun. They also have those like emotional moments where yeah. it's like, oh you tear up and you like, you know, it's like, oh that's so sweet, or oh that's so sad. Bad, yeah but they they wrap it inside of such a way where you're like oh that was it was it was fun yeah um and uh and so like this looks like it's it's wrapped inside of this hey it's really fun like right. it's a really cool look i really like a lot of the the small details about it that they they brought in other references to other um tropes within you know other movies yeah. and other franchises and things so i think that there's some cool stuff in there yeah i am more apt to watch that than i like i don't i never watched toy story 3 Multiple on you know and like you haven't watched it like exactly multiple because times. it's so yeah. heavy it's, it's just really like it's, heavy I I know I mean I know what it's gonna do to me emotionally and I don't want that so I don't I don't watch it you know what I mean yeah that's why I stopped watching The Walking Dead no gosh <laughs> um, if you want to find out why you should stop watching The Walking Dead go listen to last week's episode that's right there's all sorts of new reasons uh, yeah. the, other than the reasons that I stopped for <laughs> to, to stop watching The Walking Dead now and everybody just stop. There's Just also there's also a, a trailer for Quentin Tarantino's next movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, um, and it looks great. Um, this is the movie that supposedly is still about, on some level, the Charles Manson murders, 
and uh, but it, but it focuses on as the main characters, these actors and the stunt a stunt double. Uh, Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate, who is one of the people who gets murdered. So like that's the we don't I mean we've barely scratched the surface of what yeah. this movie is about, but it looks I mean it's totally like. 1960s Hollywood. Yeah, it looks so cool to the point where I literally asked you afterwards. I was like, I was like, what? Like, it, there's a specific choice of of film. It looks like that he like that they chose to like shoot this in because it has a very particular vibe yeah. um, in a lot of the like the visuals and the in the graininess and in the wash of of the film. So yeah. it's uh yeah like it's definitely one of those cool like ah oh, this is visually an amazing trailer and again like i had completely forgotten what it was actually about so you saying all of that like i was like that i didn't get any of that from no, this trailer no. none of it like the, the murder stuff you i mean know? it's, it's like, just man. like it's i think it's just like you know you think about like quentin tarantino if you describe inglorious bastards for instance okay there's this hit team going to go like murder uh adolf hitler that sounds super heavy but there's just like it's wrapped in in this quentin tarantino mm. kind of approach to it that you're like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. Um, and there were some crazy, like, tense moments, some cool dramatic parts, but also some funny parts. Like, I've, that's everything Everything he does is like that. Mm-hmm. It's, like, brutally violent, but also really funny at the same time, but mm-hmm. also really serious. Like, it's... Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, and I'm, you know, we're making a statement here. That's exactly. sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, he, to me, I mean, he. there are two, two directors that, like, for me, I'll just, like, watch anything they do. One of them is Christopher Nolan... Um, and one of them is Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. because I literally, I don't think I've been let down by either one of them. Yeah. Like they have varying quality, you know, like, and I think like probably Christopher Nolan's films vary in quality more. Um, but like, I know that I will enjoy their movies. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to it. Agreed. Like, I mean, Christopher Nolan, especially like with, uh, like he said, with, with the variance in quality, I feel like it's. Early on, his early stuff is very like oh, art kind of mm-hmm. house filmmaking, whereas it goes into this big blockbuster, big giant budget kind of stuff, and then it kind of like he's swinging a little bit back that way with mm-hmm. uh, more of his more recent stuff. So yeah. like back to the oh well, let's let's do the big budget, but also have the tinges of this kind of art house kind of yeah. All right, the third trailer we want to talk about is the Stranger Things season three trailer. Yes, looks phenomenal. So good. Yeah. Talk about a fun trailer, man. I know. So uh, from the music to the bright colors, like it yeah. seems like I, I love the fact that we are we are moving settings. Mm-hmm. So we're not in the fall kind of Halloween time again. Yeah, we're moving into the summer, mm-hmm. and there's like this carnival in town. Uh, they're all they're all older, and they're like moving it forward in time in that way mm-hmm. um, with the references to like Star Wars and all mm-hmm. this other kind of stuff. I love it, dude. Yeah, so cool. The uh, it's interesting to see even the visuals uh, be a little bit different in this trailer than mm-hmm. than we've seen before. Like there was a moment with some lightning, and it's just interesting for them to branch out. Yeah, into these other things. It episode that one episode it was episode eight of the last of season two. Yeah. That worries or me a little bit for branching seven, out maybe? too much. Whichever one it was, yeah. everyone knows the episode I'm talking about—the right. one that was terrible. Um, <laughs> but like that worries me a little bit for like branching out too much into that like superhero-y kind of realm. But there was enough in this trailer that led me to think there this is not too much of a departure. You have you know monsters. Yeah. You have uh, like the kids doing ridiculous things together. Yeah, yeah. It's it, so it's not going to be too much of a departure. But there were some unique things that I am interested to see where they take it. 
Yeah, I I mean, I don't want to go back and re like review that episode. I don't necessarily think like to me, and I think I said it at the time. The thing that it wasn't the fact that there were more people with powers that bothered me about that no. episode. It was the removal of a lot of the characters except for Eleven mm-hmm. and the setting, moving it to the city that made it not feel like a time pe- time period piece anymore. Yeah. It, it was like this could literally happen anywhere, yeah. anytime. This this doesn't hit punch all the nostalgia buttons for mm-hmm. me anymore. There's no reason for it to. Well, and it wasn't unique enough of no. a storyline to, no. to keep me interested, really. So say people start showing up in this town because they were attracted to like whatever's going there or something like that. And I'm not saying that's happening, but like, what if that did happen? I would be okay with that. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, seeing this small town uh, deal with it. Yeah. And, and again, that's kind of like the, we talked about it last time with that review too. The town is a character in right. this show. Right. So. Well, and I feel like similar to like Smallville back in the day. And yeah. Obviously Smallville was like, mm, it's campy, it's, right. you know, whatever. whatever. Um, but like, it's a cool concept mm-hmm. to have a small town, weird stuff happens yeah. in the small town. Now deal with it. And, and that's, yeah. it, I feel like that if, as long as I keep it kind of in that, in that realm, I'm okay with it. Um, yeah. again, it's just, it's interesting to see them branch out. Totally. I'm in, dude. I can't wait. July 4th. The uh, other news that we had associated oh, yeah. with this, kind of like an aside to the to this, um, the, the video game, the Stranger Things video games, 8-bit kind of style, brawler, uh, local co-op, coming out to Nintendo Switch the same day that Season 3 happens. So I think you actually play through a lot of like what Season 3 is in video game form. Um, on that game, so be watching out for that. I'm excited to play it on Nintendo Switch. I'm happy that it's not just coming to cell phones because I know they were talking about, oh, it's coming to cell phones or whatever. Um, so I'm happy that it's it's coming to Nintendo Switch so I can play this thing. Uh, all right, so some cool news. James Gunn is back on as the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 director. This is from um, Hollywood Reporter and Aaron Couch, right? Yes. No, but Boris Kitt and Aaron Couch. Took two, two people to write two, this article. Two people. Uh, and a remarkable turn of events. Disney has reinstated James Gunn as director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Disney fired Gunn last July after old offensive tweets from the filmmaker were resurfaced by conservative personalities online. The firing was controversial with Guardians of the Galaxy stars, including Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Bradley Cooper, and Dave Bautista, signing an open letter asking for the filmmaker to be rehired. Bautista, in particular, had been outspoken in his support of Gunn. Microsoft, Microsoft, Marvel Studios... I'm like, going so fast, my brain is replacing words. Marvel Studios put Guardians 3 on hold, though Marvel head Kevin Feige and others involved have maintained they intended to make the film happen. Guardians 3 never had a release date, but Gunn previously said it would open in 2020. In the weeks after five, which who knows if that's still correct. They haven't released any kind of like plan for phase four. In the weeks after firing gun, there was speculation around town about who could replace the filmmaker with agents lining up clients. But by mid-fall, any perceived search seems to have petered out with many thinking that the project was on the back burner. What almost no one knew was that Marvel and Disney had never undertaken a search and in fact became convinced that he should be given a second chance. In the fall, Disney went back to gun and quietly made a deal, according to insiders. After the firing, gun moved on to Warner Brothers and DC to write and direct the Suicide Squad, which I'm super pumped about, which has Idris Elba set to star. Uh, he's replaced again. That's a sorry. They're combining some news there. Will Smith has been replaced by Idris Elba as Deadshot. I'm both bummed and also I love yeah, Idris Elba. I like know. it's like man, Idris Elba. That's I'm so excited for him. To, but, but I also like. But I also Will Smith, really liked so. the way Will Smith played. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, set to star 
along with other people starring, and has an August 6th, I have issues with the way they've written this, uh, and has an August 6th, 2021 release date. Gunn plans on doing both films with the Suicide Squad coming first, according to sources. So that would put Guardians like 2022, probably. Uh, After the news broke, Gunn, who has been silent on Twitter since his firing, tweeted a statement, quote, I am tremendously grateful to every person out there who has supported me over the past few months, end quote, Gunn wrote Friday on Twitter. Quote, I am always learning and will continue to work at being the best human I can be. I deeply appreciate Disney's decision, and I am excited to continue making films that investigate the ties of love that bind us all. I have been and continue to be incredibly humbled by your love and support from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Love to you all. End quote. Um, and this is just uh, talking about Guardians and all that kind of stuff, like what they've, how it's just made and everything. Um, so yeah. I'm super pumped. Good news. Yeah, good news. Real good news. Um, I am. I'm super. Like, I hate it whenever you know any. It's like, okay, we're let's punish people for things that you know, like he if he's if he's not this person anymore, and he has moved on. And he's he's a better person. Apologize for it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Like, are we really gonna like kick kick a guy again while he's down? It's also fascinating that like. Um, in the past, like he, I, it was surprised that he was even hired to direct this movie in the first place. Because like, oh, that's an interesting choice. That's a really unique choice. Yeah. Because this is a wild mind, and uh, and so you know, obviously, like now he's back on. So yeah. it's like they they obviously felt the same way. We're like, okay, that was hasty. Let's bring him back. And yeah, I mean, it was a little, it was happen. a little like crazy. Like, I mean, normally I don't see Disney making like gut reactions based on like some internet fervor yeah. online. Yeah. Like, I just don't see them do that most of the time. They're a very slow-moving company most of the time. Yeah, or, like, very methodical. Like, But it, it seemed like it was like, okay, this stuff comes out, and they're, like, immediately gone. Day you of know? or whatever. Like, whoa. Wow. And so, like, honestly, at the time, it was like, well, was there, were they looking to get rid of them already? Is this mm-hmm. just, like, a good excuse? Yeah, there's, you know? there's a lot of of... of things flying around like oh man he you know must have been terrible for them to work with or whatever yeah. but it's like that's you know that's not true in yeah. this case it just seems like they just made a mistake made a mistake everybody made mistakes in this yeah. scenario i in in the the good news is uh, good news yeah. for fans and good yeah. news for uh for james gunn is that like okay now he gets to direct a warner brothers property like <laughs> a dc squad. move yeah. movie now it's we like, would have never had that had yeah, this not happened that never would have happened um <laughs> if if all this so it's like yeah you come out cool with Two movies now, so Great. cool. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, revive uh, that Suicide Squad franchise. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm very excited for uh, for both the Suicide Squad movie and you know see what happens with Guardians uh, yep. three. How how far are we into this? Seventy minutes. Yeesh. All right, we're gonna keep moving. Um, all right, so this is gonna be a, a minute going through some of this. Speaking of Disney, Disney has closed its seventy one billion dollar deal buying Twenty First Century Fox. Mm. This is from Cynthia Littleton at Variety. After 15 months of wrangling and planning, Disney has formally sealed the deal on its $71 billion acquisition of 21st Century Fox. Quote, this is an extraordinary and historic moment for us, one that will create significant long-term value for our company and our shareholders. This is Bob Iger speaking. Combining Disney's and 21st Century Fox's wealth of creative content and proven talent creates the preeminent global entertainment company well-positioned to lead in an incredibly dynamic and transformative era. End quote. Disney took possession of 21st Century Fox at 12.02 a.m. Eastern Time on March 19th. Assets changing hands in the deal includes 20th Century Fox, Fox Searchlight Pictures, Fox 2000 Pictures, 
Fox Family, and Fox Animation. Fox's television creative units, 20th Century Fox Television, FX Productions, and Fox 21, FX Networks, National Geographic Partners, Fox Network Group International, Star India, and Fox's interest in Hulu, Tata Sky, and Indomal Shine Group. So much stuff, dude. I, I'm, I'm fascinated that now Disney has even a larger stake in Hulu. True. That, and they're competing with it? Uh-huh. About to, at least? Well, I mean, yes. Yes and no. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just... All the Fox shows that are on, that's why they're on Hulu is because... Fox owned a piece of Hulu. Right. So. Well, and I still, I mean, they probably still will be. Oh, yeah. Uh, Disney emphasized that the transaction is designed to help the company increase its international footprint and expand its direct to consumer offerings. Mm-hmm. Earlier my, on, my Tuesday, point in saying the Hulu thing, by the way, was like CBS don't, doesn't put their stuff on Hulu, but they don't own Right. Hulu, yeah, yeah. You for know, sure. so yeah. I was a- always, a- just, I'm always a- just a- interested. Well, I guess they're Disney. I'm always just interested yeah. in why. Certain things get on certain streaming channels, and like why they go with that one versus others, and it's like, well, yeah. most of the time it's because we own stock in that company. Yeah, I wonder if NBC does. I wonder if everybody does except for uh, CBS. Hmm. CBS doesn't care though; they have their own thing. We've oh, talked dude, about that. They're totally doing their own thing. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, so blah, blah blah blah. Earlier on Tuesday, 21st Century Fox completed the separation of assets that are moving to Disney and those that will compromise the foundation of Fox Corporation, which began trading on the Nasdaq as a standalone entity on Tuesday morning. So Fox Corp sh- uh, blah, 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 has shares. Uh, as Disney and Fox Corp settle into a new world order, employees at both companies are bracing for the impact of large-scale layoffs to come in Burbank and Century City. This was on Sunday, this article. The number of cuts could reach as high as 4,000 positions. Disney was still informing some senior 21st Century Fox employees of their status with the new company as late as Monday. So uh, not in this deal were Fox uh, sports affiliates so like um, all the regional Fox networks mm-hmm. and um, uh, the like larger Fox Sports mm-hmm. uh, national brands, um, I think Fox Sports One, like that's not in there, all that kind of stuff. It, and then it makes sense that that wouldn't be too because of ESPN. Like, well, that's it, why it's not there. Yeah, because uh, it would create a monopoly in Correct. that space. Uh, and then News Corp, which owns like Fox News and Fox Business and all the like local affiliate news stations, uh, like your local like Fox 17 here in Nashville or whatever, all that stuff's not included because again, that would create a monopoly with ABC and all of their news mm-hmm. organizations. So that was like, they couldn't purchase it if they tried to buy all that stuff. Yeah. Um, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I. I mean, they're they're a behemoth now. Like, what does Disney not own at this point? You know. And that's the thing is, like, I, legally, obviously, like, so, so many people are like, "Oh man, this is so much." You know, one company controlling so much, and I agree with that a lot, like to a certain extent, because yeah. we've had the discussion before, like last year, whenever this was rumored, that I worry about this acquisition that some of the Fox properties, you know, may not be taken care of, and it's obviously one one company owning everything is never ideal. Um, yeah. And now you have one company that owns a ton of things. Um, so I don't know. It's a it's a it's an interesting one. I'm I'm no way to know yet how this is all going to shake out. But yeah. like maybe two, three, four years from now, we will we'll end up revisiting this and saying, hey, was this a good idea? <laughs> was the how did us as the end consumer benefit or not benefit yeah. from that acquisition? I wonder. It makes me wonder what happens to all the Fox properties. Um, yeah. And 
Well, let's, let, me, let me keep going. Then we can yeah. do some anal- analyzing. Uh, so this is from Hollywood Reporter. This was from yesterday by Paul Bond and Pamela McClintock. Layoffs begin at 20th Century Fox after Disney deal closes. Um, senior leadership in marketing distribution is being hit hard. Layoffs brought about by Disney's $71.3 billion acquisition of the most of most of the assets of the former 21st Century Fox commenced on Thursday. Longtime 20th Century Fox film president of domestic distribution, Chris Aronson, was informed in the morning that he won't be joining Disney. He has been given 60 days notice, sources tell The Hollywood Reporter. By early afternoon, others in top leadership roles at the film studio were handed pink slips. President of Worldwide Marketing, Pamela Levine, co-president of marketing, Kevin Campbell, and chief content officer, Tony Sello, were informed they are likewise out. Ditto for international distribution uh, people. I'm not going to list all these names. Um... Some employees are being told that they will be kept on for a transition period, anyone, anywhere from three to six months, a source says. It's not clear how many will stay on with Disney permanently, although the marketing and distribution departments were always expected to be hard. Uh, it has, quote, it has been an honor and a privilege to lead the domestic distribution team, which I consider to be the gold standard in the business, Arnson said in a statement. While I'm disappointed not to continue, I looked forward to starting a new chapter in this business during the this exciting time of change, end quote. On the TV side, 20th century... T- Television president Greg Meadle is out. Fox Consumer Products boss Jim Fielding has also been laid off as his division is being absorbed by Disney. Sources say of the 50 or so U.S.-based staffers in the division, five people have been laid off. The remainder are all expected to keep their jobs as the unit becomes part of Disney. Disney closed its historic blah, blah, blah. We're going through the rest of the stuff we just talked about. Um, Disney said prior to the closing that it was eyeing $2 billion in annual cost savings by 2021, and observers presumed much of that would come by way of layoffs. While Disney never clarified how many people would lose their jobs, analysts say by the time the dust settles, 4,000 of the jobs the conglomerate provides could be lost. Disney skeptic analyst Rich Greenfield even put the number at 5,000 to 10,000 over a longer time frame. Acquisitions are usually accompanied by layoffs, though the Fox-Disney merger was always expected to be a bit more brutal than others, given the amount of overlap in various job functions, especially at the film studio's marketing, distribution, and home entertainment units. Management didn't provide any insight into possible layoffs before the deal closed. We, quote, we have spoken about $2 billion in cost synergies, and we're confident we're going to be able to deliver those, Iger said on an earnings call in August. There will be revenue synergies as well, but we have not been specific about what they are, and we don't intend to get specific about that, at least for the foreseeable future, end quote. When the deal closed, the exec said in a memo, quote, We've spent the last year exploring the new opportunities and synergies generated by bringing our two legendary companies together. Leaders across both organizations have worked closely together to understand how to best unlock this potential and unleash innovation and creativity to generate long-term growth. We're confident in our integration strategy and in our ability to execute it effectively, and we're inspired and energized by the new possibilities, end quote. Added Iger, our integration processes process will be an evolution with some businesses impacted more than others. We've made many critical decisions already, but some areas still require further evaluation. The layoffs come as Disney gets ready to later. The, but why are we talking about that? <laughs> like they just throw things in these oh, articles. Yeah, like ah, streaming service. Why is it just for SEO? You just want that in there so people are searching for it. It well, shows up probably because they'll link off to another article about that. No, thing. there's no link. Oh. Well, that's that's a miss on the part of the writer. Come so, on, so ridiculous. Come on, editors. Yeah, they should. Yeah, editors, why did they get not do in that? there. Get that other click. Good grief. Get me to go down your your rabbit hole of uh, of of following links. Uh, uh, here's 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 his whole his whole note. Yeah, let me read this whole note. Then we're done. 
with uh, we can talk about it. This is Iger's whole note. I'm proud to announce the acquisition is complete and 21st Century Fox is now part of the Walt Disney Company. I'd like to welcome our new colleagues and thank employees on both sides of the deal for your patience and perseverance as we worked through the lengthy acquisition and regulatory process. As you know, Disney has never been short on ambition. We've never been satisfied with the status quo and our vision for this transformative era is our boldest yet. We are rapidly transforming our company to take full advantage of evolving consumer trends and emerging technology in order to thrive in this new and exciting time. Our acquisition of 21st Century Fox was driven by our strong belief that the addition of these great businesses, brands, franchises, and talent will allow us to move faster, reach farther, and aim higher, especially when it comes to building direct connections with consumers. I wish I could tell you that the hardest part is behind us, that closing the deal was the finish line rather than just the next milestone. What lies ahead is the challenging work of uniting our businesses to create a dynamic global entertainment company with the content, the platforms, and the reach to deliver industry-defining experiences that will engage consumers around the world for generations to come. We spent the last year exploring the new opportunities and synergies generated by bringing our two legendary companies together. Leaders across both organizations have worked closely together to understand how best to unlock this potential and unleash innovation and creativity and generate long-term growth. We're confident in our integration strategy and our ability to execute it effectively, and we're inspired and energized by new possibilities. Our integration process will be an evolution. This is what we all just heard. With some businesses impacted more than others, we've made many critical decisions already, but some areas still require further evaluation. We may not have answers to all your questions at this moment, but we understand how vital information is, and we're committed to moving as quickly as possible to provide clarity regarding how your role may be impacted. Having been on both sides of numerous acquisitions during my career, I have a deep appreciation for how this one impacts everyone involved on both a personal and professional level. I understand the challenges, and I ask for your continued patience in the days to come as we combine this collection of great assets to create the world's premier entertainment company, Bob. So. Man, it's a a lot of words. A lot of words. That's it. Um, What do you think, Chris? What's going through your mind? Like, okay, uh, initial gut reaction wherever you heard the news, good thing, bad thing. Or maybe that's too too binary. Maybe that's too left. Like, yeah. What's yeah. What's your emotion going? You know, going out of that. I'm more in a. We'll wait and see. I think there are positive. Obviously, like mm-hmm. I am excited. For instance, to see what Disney does with the X Men mm-hmm. and see what Disney does with like some of the properties there. Yeah. Um. What I hope doesn't happen is you know like and I and I'd have to go look at all the properties, but like I feel like. I don't want things to just sit there. Like mm-hmm. when you think about Disney and their release calendar through the year, things are very strategically planned. Mm-hmm. And where you might, except for Star Wars and uh, yeah, and Solo that movie, and where in the past you might see a Fox film release on the same weekend as a Disney mm-hmm. Marvel film or a Star Wars film or something, I don't think you'll see that anymore. So I yeah. wonder, like as a whole, are we still going to be getting the same amount of movies and shows? And content as we normally would, only it's just Disney producing it, or are we going to get less of all this stuff? I think honestly, that's probably where you're at, where it's less. Because you have to. And and in a lot of the ways of, hey, we're combining this division and this division and this division's absorbing this division, we're laying off all these people and things that kind of exp- like this smaller number of people can't do the same volume of work that twice the number of people could or, or yeah. whatever. I mean, and that's what the danger of there being one monopoly company, which is, this isn't a monopoly again, totally like they're totally legally able to do this. Yeah. 
Um, but like that's what what happens whenever you have one company putting out everything is that there's gonna be favorites where like oh like star wars is one of our favorite things and so we're gonna put out make sure one of those has a block every year make sure the avengers movie has a block every year make sure that this movie has a block every year and a lot of the other movies like the smaller uh, profile 20th century fox movies probably will just kind of fall between the cracks yeah so um tv is is a different story because you have to fill those hours with something right like i mean there's no problem with for fx to put out an awesome television show at the same time that ABC has an awesome show because largely those are different audiences. Um, whereas in the film industry, there are very, there, there aren't a large number of films that are released every year and they need to make money. That's what Disney is, is, has been about in the recent years. And Bob Iger specifically in a lot of ways, like has been about that so about those big bets and those big returns and and so that that leaves a lot of a lot of fox properties that have not traditionally like they've made money well but they've yeah. made big money well that and that's the, and that's the part that like you know whenever you uh think about i was trying to find the list of studios again but like we're talking like fox searchlight yeah. um all the indie studios like if you look at what disney's had in the past they used i mean they uh had been vista uh, pictures yep they had Touchstone Pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, those are both defunct now. Um, those were in more indie mm-hmm. studios, yeah. and they don't invest in that kind of stuff because technically, like typically, indie indie movies do not make money. If we're saying like what they do is a lot of times they provide um, clout for the studio because they win awards. Yeah, and so you can say we've won this many Academy Awards or blah 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 yeah. blah, and you can track attract talent and attract directors and investors to your products because they can get tied to something like that. Um, Disney doesn't have a problem with that necessarily. I don't, I like don't know. Attracting people. Well, that, and I don't think that they, they don't, I don't think Disney chases Mm-mm. awards. And they don't like, again, like they, they haven't done the indie kind of thing movie wise in a long time. Yeah. So a like, long my, time. my biggest fear is like, okay, is, is Fox Searchlight going to get shut down? Yeah. Some um, fantastic movies in mm-hmm. Fox Searchlight. Um, Some of my favorites. So I don't know. Like, mm. we'll, we'll see. I think like it's a bummer. I mean, I think the, the layoffs that we're seeing now are more like probably what he said, where it's yeah. like, these are duplicate roles. Yeah. I, I totally get why we, well, we don't need two distribution full distribution companies basically now. So we're going to shut all that down. Um, I, I, I think we have yet to see things like, you know, you can see layoffs in conjunction with a shutting a Fox search light down Mm. or something like that. That's the part that like, if we hit that level of like layoffs, I'm going to like, Oh crap. Yeah. You know, yeah, this is the stuff where it's like, well now we're limiting. I need somebody else to start up an indie studio now to replace the output of movies that this studio would normally go after. And that's what it would have to be is that they just choose not to compete in that space anymore. Like they just, Oh, we bought this thing and we're not actually going to use it uh, the way it was historically used. And so it's interesting. I'm curious, like what the rationale between, you know, by buying Fox was, and it's like, was this about, Hey, let's just buy this thing and keep this, keep, keep the money coming in as far as like the things that are systems that are working within Fox, or was it, let's buy these properties and then integrate them into our own properties in order to make some, you know, grand movie 
crossover universe type of a situation. I don't know. Like it's it, yeah. It, do they just want the properties or do they want the actual companies? They want the business. That's that's the question. Because the the businesses, along with like Fox Searchlight and along with all of these kind of smaller smaller studios and smaller scale things, there are, there is opportunity for. Um, new filmmakers to come up for uh, filmmakers to make more artistic things. Um, whereas if once that goes away, like dude, that the the system of of movie making in Hollywood, like man, that that would really be a bummer if there's no place to go for that style of movie other than just like completely independent. Yeah, here's let's go through this. I found this list again. Let's talk about this list. Let's just go through it. 20th Century Fox. I don't think that's going away. No. Fox Searchlight Pictures. Again, that's indie films and that like those are more Oscar kind of nominees. Yeah. Um, I could totally see that going away. Fox yeah. 2000 Pictures. I could see that going away. Yep. Fox Family. I don't really know what that is necessarily. Is that like, I think that's the, uh, is that a television show? No, it's or not. Or a television no, no. No, studio? No. Uh, television units come after that. Okay. Um, no idea what that is, so. Yeah. Probably uh, Fox, going away. Fox Animation. I don't, I don't know because they have animation stuff over. It depends on what they want to do with those properties. Yep. And we're talking about properties like The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, Fox's television creative units are 20th Century Fox Television. I don't think that's going away. No. FX Productions. I don't think FX is going away. Again, I don't think any of the TV stuff is probably going away because I don't think it necessarily competes with what Disney's already doing, and it makes right. money enough uh, to, to cover. Yeah, because that includes like uh, Fox FX Networks, which is FX. Um, there's FXX. It's always sunny. I could see them like closing one of those down, honestly. Like combining, yeah. Yeah, recombining them. Yeah. Basically, they, they separate FX, and FX is basically turned into a we're going to play movies all day long, and FXX is where all your like original content has ended up. Hmm. Um, why? I don't really know. I don't really understand the strategy. I know. I remember when it when it switched because it's always sunny went over there. Yeah. I just don't know why. Interesting. Um, Fox Networks Group International don't know what they do. Star India don't know what they do. Uh, interest in Hulu, they're not going to get rid of that. Um, Tata Sky, don't know what that is. And Indemol Shine Group, don't know what that is. I would assume that's international I would assume stuff. that, yeah, some international distribution um, or, 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 yeah, or content. Yeah, or, yeah, production. Um, huh. I mean, it's it's just so fascinating to we'll see, see. The, the industry take not only two giant companies and combine them, but to take to a, a giant company absorbing another giant company that also did all of this kind of less profitable indie stuff that helped people to put art out. Yeah. And so I worry about that smaller level of art because again, Disney right. doesn't make well, let's, that thing. Let's use an example of a TV show. So last man standing is Tim Allen's TV show. It was on ABC. They canceled it because it, uh, for whatever reason, they didn't like the, the, the audience. Um, they uh, decided to get rid of it. So then Fox picks it up. So it's like, well, now it's back in the same fold. They're going to cancel it again because it's not meeting expectations. Yeah. And then also you think about like along those lines, like you have um, um, like Fox, you know, the last season they were canceling like Brooklyn Nine-Nine right. and like in order to prep for some instance. So it's like what was not desirable about some of these shows that they canceled them in order to right. like prep for this. So you, so you think about like, what is the diversity? Are we saying like all this content, like that is a little more diverse in both um, audience size, content, like production style, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like you think about Brooklyn nine, nine, it didn't have a huge, it never has had a huge audience. Yeah. And um, it's a little more 
It's just different than any other things on television. It really is. Same thing with Last Man Standing. Last Man Standing in terms of like uh, content is different. And like the only thing I, I, I would compare it to is it's more like CBS style sitcoms. Mm -hmm. Whereas nothing else on like Fox or ABC really is. Yeah. They're not like three cameras kind of sitcoms. Mm -hmm. So the production style doesn't match. Yeah. And I don't know. Like it's just like are we just going to have like less diverse content now because it's all owned by Disney? And that's that's my, that was my worst fear whenever this was originally done. So we'll find out. Yeah. I don't know that we'll find out right away, but we'll find out over the next four years or so. <sighs> um, because again, I, this is this yeah. has just never happened before. So yeah, you're right. I mean, whenever you ask like, is it good or bad? Like it, it isn't. It isn't that binary or like it's real gray. Yeah. And I don't know. My, I don't know right now. My initial reaction was, oh boy. Like we'll strap see. in, you know, and it could be great. It could be It'll like, be hey, fun, they're, yeah. they're gonna leave things alone, like things that are succeeding. But like, you know, it's like, well, what are the, what are the metrics for success? Right. I'm sure that line has moved now. And obviously, like between you know Fox, I feel like Fox in a lot of ways they were okay, you know, putting out something that oh, it made its money back and then a little bit extra. But then like, but they. Disney has not been okay doing that. Yeah, they've literally just been like, "No, we're not gonna. We're gonna actually like not do any more planned Star Wars like solo films uh, because like they weren't meeting our threshold for whatever this was." And yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's just a, it's an interesting, weird world. And I would say I had a negative reaction to it just because I'm I. That's where I'm at, where I'm like, I don't don't want them to just control everything. I think in order to get like these other properties into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, what am I giving up in order yeah. to get that? Like from a studio system and from a, a the health of a music or a movie industry, right? Like, what are we giving up to to like, actually get that? Does Bob's Burgers end up end up going away? Yeah, because Fox Animation is becomes defunct. I don't know, or, man. like. <sighs> That's that's horrifying. First of all, because I love Bob's Burgers. I know, right? But uh, I mean, I like all these films. All these, all these. I mean, again, I like. I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying everything's my favorite show, mm -hmm. but like, I enjoy the variety yeah. from network to network. Like, like, if every show had to hit the same standards as like a show on CBS, then like most a lot of the shows I love wouldn't be made because they're more niche. That's right. You know, and that's what that's what like Last Man Standing is. It's really niche. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn Nine Nine niche, um, and it got canceled. It, it uh, got canceled in preparation for this, right? You know, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. Like Boss yeah. Burgers, more niche. Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to hit a crate. Like, no, and that's the problem with the with the way that it affects content because in order to hit a a wider audience, your content has to be broader mm -hmm. and has to be less niche. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, you you look at things like The Big Bang Theory on CBS. The content and jokes and how funny it would be at the beginning is drastically different from the way it is now. Sure, it's, you know, like, uh, I still enjoy it. It's still like a, it's still, it still presses some of those buttons for me, but not in the same way because they were trying to appeal to a wider audience. Mm -hmm. So, like, you think about what if, the, what if they had to make Bob's Burgers and even could it appeal to a wider audience? Could they make? I mean, just in order the fact to be, that his animation already order, ra like writes off a ton of people, right? In order for like something like um, uh, I keep coming back just because this is the example of something that got canceled and then moved. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Last man saying to make it appeal to a wider audience, you have to change that content. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's the thing about, and then, and then you, and it's not the same show anymore, right? And then you think about that and translate that because again, I think TV is going to be 
easier for them to be like, oh, well, that doesn't compete with this, so we're fine. You know, it's making us a little bit of money, but the, you know, yeah. but we're, it, if it made more money, it would distract from this. So I think TV largely could be relatively unchanged, but yeah. at the same time, like you translate that over to movies, and it's like, oh, we can't, you know, that we can't take this risk over here. Mm-hmm. We've got to, it's got to make more money. You know, mm-hmm. make an appeal to a wider audience. So I don't know. It's uh, it's it's. Five years, man. Let's f- figure it out after uh, the five-year mark. Whenever all of our you know, no no indie movies have come out, all of our favorite shows canceled. It's gonna yeah, be I mean, I guess I mean, you t- <laughs> I, I would assume that there are like things in the pipeline that will continue to go out for a while. Yeah, like they're probably not going to like put the can on things immediately. But yeah, that are in production. Yeah, but like yeah, I would say within two to three years, like that's when we'll start to see. Yep. Uh, we would normally start to see productions appear that happened post mm-hmm. Disney takeover, mm-hmm. that's whenever we'll be able to say like, is this actually still the same company mm-hmm. or is this completely different than before? Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously like things that directly compete similar to like uh, dark Phoenix, like the X-Men dark mm-hmm. Phoenix, that's going to come out. Um, that's already obviously done. Any other X-Men things that are already in production, probably. You and know, honestly, like those won't compete. We like, kind of all expected that anyway. Right. And honestly, like, I don't know that we, you know, uh, I, that's not it, that franchise even, specifically. Not a bad thing that they picked it up. Oh, totally. And I don't. And I think that even if Fox still owned it, I I don't know how much longer those actors were under contract for, or even would do it's more true. X Men movies. They've done three mainline, and now this Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Like, how long was that going to go on? That's a good point. That's a really good point. And then you know, obviously, like moving over into uh, into things that don't as directly like something. Uh, like a 20th Century Fox film that was like, oh, this is going to be one of our big films, might be a middle tier for mm-hmm. Disney or something like that. And mm-hmm. so where do they put that in the timeline? Like you said, like where do we release that yeah. middle tier thing? Do we ever release that middle tier thing? Because if we release that middle tier thing, we might as well release a big blockbuster in that same weekend. Right. And, you know, well, think about, anyway. like, think about the franchise that they've had since they bought Lucasfilm, Indiana Jones. Yeah. They haven't done anything with that. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge franchise. Yeah, it's gigantic, and they just kind of let it sit on the shelf. I know, like it was supposedly in uh, Harrison Ford's contract that they would like look at scripting for that, like start yeah. a uh, a production of that. And so, obviously, like that hasn't come out, and it's no. been years now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, this could have been our main topic. <laughs> could have been our main topic, but it wasn't. But it's not. But this has been the news. This is the news. What's the main topic, Chris? Good lord. This, this is a long episode. Are we recording? I can't even tell because we it's are so recording. It's so it's small. So small. It's so so small. Because this has been such a long episode. We look like little ants on that computer. Look <laughs> like little ants. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, all right. So this week, Google announced the Google Stadia. The Google Stadia. Which is plural for stadium. They made a point. Like I, I feel like that's <laughs> it's such a strange name that like whenever you say that it's the Stadia, you have to say Plurifal Stadium. Yeah, I mean, it makes more sense now. I mean, it still doesn't... Whatever. It doesn't make much sense, but whatever. Also, no, nothing does. I don't think I've ever used or heard anyone use... Uh-huh. Stadia? Plural for stadium ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think anybody's been... Oh, look at that herd of Stadia over there. Like, I think oh, I would... I that's think, the area of town that all of our Stadia I, are in. I don't think I knew that that was a plural... Because that means stadiums is not a word. <laughs> it's not a word. So I think I would normally say... What would I say? Because I, 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 I'm trying to go to all the MLB stadiums. That's how I do it. Yeah, okay. So I need okay. to say, mm. can you look that up? Is stadiums actually a word? Like, is am I? Have we all been wrong? I've never heard anyone utter the <laughs> We've word all stadia. Been duped. <laughs> yeah, we have been duped. Maybe stadia is the made up word, and they're just saying it's plural for stadium. 
Maybe it's a Greek word. I'm sure the stadiums or stadia, like the probably that's like a root of you know you know they were back in the day they made the Colosseum could come from that. It's it's both. Oh, it's uh, both. So so it's a stadium plural is stadiums or stadia. Okay. So you can do both. Okay. So I wasn't actually wrong. that's Wikipedia. Hang on. Yeah, that's w- not they, a, Wikipedia uh, can do anything they uh, want. Um, Most of the time, I feel like they're correct, but you know. <laughs> Agreed. Well, I mean, they say <laughs> that like on like popular pages or whatever, yeah, like yeah. this the the wrong that facts. Has some oversight. Yeah, like there's some level of like okay, that will change that right. Well, back. yeah. What was this? St- there was some kind of statistic. I think we brought it up on the show before, where like. Uh, they people have done studies where they intentionally put incorrect things mm-hmm. on popular Wikipedia pages to see the amount of time it takes it to be removed. And I think it was like 15 minutes or something. On average, things are corrected back to the correct information in about 15 minutes. Yeah, uh, Dictionary.com, a legit source, yes. says uh, that stadiums and stadia, both the plural of stadium. Cool, cool. Also, how do we know it's a legit source? Only because it's a .com? Anybody could run that website. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of ads, you know? Yeah, those ads, they control what words go in there. <laughs> Dude. They just tell you you're right all the time. You yeah. Know? That's, that's what I need is. a book. A book that tells me exactly. Like, Let's go down to the library. Yep. All <laughs> Let's right. do this. I don't trust anything anymore. All right. So this is from the Google blog. This is from Phil Harrison, vice president and GM of Google Stadia. I doubt he really wrote this, but it says it's from him. For 20 years, Google has worked to put the world's information at your fingertips. Instant delivery of that information is made possible through our data center and network capabilities, and now we're using that technology to change how you access and enjoy video games. Stadia is a new video game platform delivering instant access to your favorite games on any type of screen, whether it's a TV, laptop, desktop, tablet, or mobile phone. Our goal That's a lot is to, of things, Chris. It's a lot of things. Our goal is to make those games... I don't know, what are they leaving out? <laughs> Our goal Game is, consoles? Our goal is, or the, uh, the, the uh, screens inside your car. Yeah, that's right. Our goal is to make those games available in resolutions up to 4K and 60 frames per second with HDR and surround sound. Surround sound from my cell phone. <laughs> we'll be launching later this immersive, year. Immersive. Immersive sound from those <laughs> two little tiny speakers. We'll be launching later this year in select countries, including the U.S., Canada, U.K., and much of Europe. I need two cell phones to place one behind me and one in front of me. <laughs> I need, you, need, you need eight of them for 7.1 surround sound. <laughs> the point one out of a cell phone? You oh, know, yeah. the, the subwoofer out uh-huh. of a cell phone? To build Stadia, we've thought deeply about what it means to be a gamer and work to converge two distinct worlds, people who play video games games and people who love watching them. <laughs> Stadia will lift restrictions on the games we create and play and the communities who enjoy them. Advanced game streaming. <laughs> Using our globally connected network of Google data centers, Stadia will free players from the limitations of traditional consoles and PCs. When players use Stadia, they'll be able to access their games at all times and on virtually any screen. And developers will have access to nearly unlimited resources to create the games they've always dreamed of. It's a powerful hardware stack combining server, class, GPU, CPU, memory, and storage. And with the power of Google's data center infrastructure, Stadia can evolve as quickly as the imagination of game creators. Oh. We'll walk through all this later in a second and tell you what all this means. Data centers make Stadia possible. But what sets the system apart is how it works with other Google services. In a world where there are more than 200 million people watching game-related content daily on YouTube, Stadia makes many of those games playable with the press of a button. If you watch one of your favorite creators play in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, simply click the Play Now button. 
Seconds later, there's no space between that period and the next sentence. Seconds later, you'll be running. He wanted to emphasize how fast, Chris. Oh, yeah. How fast No it spaces. Is. There's no space. Seconds later, you'll be running around ancient Greece in your own game on your own adventure. No downloads, no updates, no patches, and no installs. But what's a gaming platform without its own dedicated controller? Enter the Stadia controller. Ooh. <laughs> when we designed the Stadia controller, we listened to gamers about what they wanted in the controller. First... We made sure to, to develop a direct connection from the Stadia controller to our data center through Wi-Fi for the best possible gaming performance. Stop there. That's okay. amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, the controller also includes a button for instant capture, saving and sharing gameplay in up to 4K of stunning resolution. And it comes equipped with a Google Assistant button and a built-in microphone. Using Google's vast experience, reach, and decades of investment, we're making Stadia a powerful gaming platform for players developers, and YouTube content creators of all sizes. We're building a playground for every imagination. Imagination. Uh, and also as a sub, like, uh, footnote down here, in relation to the Stadia controller, this device has not been authorized as required by the rules of the Federal Communications Commission. This is device has not and may not be offered for sale or lease or sold or leased until authorization, authorization is obtained. Okay. Cool. We got this bootleg controller here. It's going to do this, guys. <laughs> as long as they tell us it's okay. <laughs> yeah, as long as they tell us it's not going to like uh, crash the entire power grid. <laughs> so let's talk through this for a second first. Um, <laughs> okay. Then we'll move on to some of the comments they've made after the press conference. So the, the, uh, they had a press conference earlier this week where they mm -hmm. showed all this off mm -hmm. and talked about all of the things that I just talked about like at length. So yep. you can go watch that. I would say go watch it. There's actually um, – you can go watch it. Uh, and, and I don't know if these are, I saw a couple of those like Google Stadia in five minutes kind of things. Like mm -hmm. you can, uh, who knows? You can probably find stuff on there. What I watched, um, was like all of the breakout. Like I watched it basically the ah. thing as like, okay, this is where, where they debuted the thing. So they have this trailer with this, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gives, talks about the name or whatever. And then, uh, they have the, the moment where, Hey, we're going to stream this thing. And then you click the button and you're in there in a second. Yeah. So like there was, there's a few of those like chunks out of the conference that if you wanted to catch up, you could catch up in relatively quickly, like maybe five, 10 minutes, uh, yeah. by, by watching watching some of those which is it, it was a pretty cool cool like debut i guess yeah oh it, i mean yeah so i mean this is i mean they call it a platform so that's what this is like yeah we haven't seen the, the debut of a platform beyond something like the ouya or um the steam box yeah things that aren't really real plat new platforms they're mm -hmm. just like boxes built like pcs basically built to play games yeah like in a unique shell like yeah. a proprietary shell um that's different than what they're talking about here. So yeah. basically the way this works, you connect to their data centers, which are playing the games on PCs there. And then the comment that they made about infinitely expandable, meaning like I think the cool things were um, at, over time as technology um, gets better, you don't have to make any changes on your end. They mm -hmm. will make it on their end. Yep. If your game needs more GPU power, they will just give it to you. Like, they have the power to just do it rather than, like, they don't even have to, like, they just use two GPUs instead of one GPU. Right. Um, they, they, like, illustrated, like, with some water effects in a game. Like, this is this game running on one GPU from our data center. This is it running at two GPUs from our data center. Mm -hmm. I thought one of the cool things that was that they talked about and I don't know if this is why Couch Co-op has disappeared, but they're like, Couch Co-op has disappeared because uh, the consoles aren't powerful enough to run it. I'm like, I don't know if that's the fact. That's not true. Yeah. But it is true for some games. 
Sure. Um, I, well, sure. Whatever Halo game that was. Uh, yeah, didn't that's, have the, that's, that's the true. That's literally why. Yeah, Halo 5, yeah. Guardians. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, and so they are able to not only put two, what I thought was impressive, they were like, what if you could see the screens from all of your entire party in a multiplayer game? Blows my mind. What if you could um, have someone controlling all those people that you're seeing or telling them where to go? And like mm-hmm. that part, I'm like, I don't want somebody telling me what to do, no. but <laughs> I just won't play that game. I think for like for like uh, somebody streaming or yeah. streamers, like it's a little bit a little bit easier. Like, oh, well, what if you had like your your this is a your esports team mm-hmm. and you have a coach just like everybody else? Well, your coach has to be, needs to be able to see you if possible. Right. Like, I can see that that being a, a cool feature, hundred percent. But because it's all taking place somewhere else, you're like you don't have to rely on your like box to to uh, render all that, right? And so it's all taking place in the cloud. All your box has to do is to stream it all. And I think the cool thing about the there are two more things, and we can you know kind of talk about it a little more. The controller, like the the share button. Yep. It's interesting. So say you decide to stream the game from like to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh. It streams from the data center to YouTube. Yep. Not what's on your screen to YouTube. Yeah. So like you, say you had like a terrible internet connection at the time, and it was like you were you were playing it on a 1080p screen, or even a on cell your phone. phone. Yeah. If you're playing it on your phone, um, and you you decide to stream it, it will stream onto YouTube at 4K. Yep. Like HDR, 60 frames a second. Like even if mm-hmm. you're not playing it currently in that way. Right. Which is. Crazy. It blows my mind. And then, as far as that goes, the any amount of lag between the gameplay and the viewer would be greatly reduced because it's not having to go through from your hardware mm-hmm. through the internet to whatever, and then their screen. It's got yeah. it. All it has to do is go from the data center to their screen. It doesn't have to come from your computer. Yep. Which is why like the controller is so fascinating for me. Like we've always talked about how on like PlayStation Now you have so much lag with uh, with PlayStation Now because you're controlling. Your console, you put you know, the input with your controller goes to your console. Console connects and it tells what your input is to the data center, and then the data center returns back to the console what actually happens, and it happens. Um, and that lag would be greatly reduced if your controller connects through Wi-Fi directly to the computer that you're running it on. Yeah. Um, the only lag would be between that connection. You well, yeah, yeah. Your your controller to the router, router to data center. Right. And then back Data center, to, and then back to the, yeah. your TV, um, rather than your controller to your, uh, con- like your console, to right. then to your uh, router, then to your data center, then back down the line. So it essentially removes one step from that process, yeah. and so that intrigues me yeah. um, in that way. So that uh, is a good segue into this other article from Ars Technica um, from Kyle Orland talking about latency. So Google's Phil Harrison tells Ars Stadia. Oh, sells ours that ga- Stadia game streaming should provide a smooth, full-resolution experience on internet connections above a threshold of 20 to 30 megabytes per second, a level that should allow for hundreds of millions of potential players in markets that we're talking about. While the company set a threshold of 25 megabytes for its beta testing last year, Harrison told ours that in actual fact, this is a quote, in actual fact, we only use an average of 20 megabytes per second. It obviously bounces up and down depending on the scene, end quote. Since the beta, Harrison said infrastructure and codec improvements, quote, now allow us to get up to 4K resolution at 60 frames per second within about 30 megabytes per second. So we saw a dramatic increase in quality between then and now without a significant increase in bandwidth, end quote. 
Even at this threshold, Harrison acknowledges that, quote, I know Stadia won't reach everybody, and I respect that some people will be frustrated by that, but I suspect that some of those people don't get a great YouTube experience. They might get a good Netflix experience today. The good news is the internet continues to grow in quality and reach, so there is a bit of a rising tide that lifts all boats, with 5G potentially helping that equation in the future. That's a little bit over the horizon today, but I think it's going to come into view pretty quickly. With game streaming, the bandwidth to provide a smooth, uh, end quote, with game streaming, the bandwidth to provide a smooth, high-resolution video is only part of the equation. Added latency between player inputs and reactions on the screen can be a killer problem for all sorts of games. In our view, Harrison wouldn't go into details on Google's latency mitigation efforts or talk about a threshold for additional latency that the company would consider acceptable. Quote, different games have different sensitivities, end quote, Harrison offered. But there were a few points in our chat where he did allude to some proprietary secret sauce that would lessen the round-trip time for player input. That secret sauce includes, quote, innovations that we have put in our data centers at the hardware level, which are not visible to the outside world, end quote. And, quote, a lot of work in the encode end of the equation in the data center, a lot of which is not disclosed publicly, end quote. Harrison also cited, quote, the partnerships we have with the ISPs, the fact that all the data sits on Google's black backbone for as much of the experience as possible, end quote, as really improving the experience. Just before our interview, we got the chance to hold a surprisingly solid and relatively standard feeling Stadia controller in our hands and play some Doom Eternal on a Chromebook hooked up to wired hotel internet. Without any latency or resolution measuring tools, to the naked eye, I'd say the experience was largely indistinguishable from playing on a real gaming rig, with no smearing or noticeable lag even during high-speed turns. Hmm. Outside of the data center, Harrison says Google would be providing, quote, insights to players on how to tune their experience and get the right hardware in their homes, end quote whatever that means. That might mean buying a, quote, different type of router, end quote, or steering people toward Google's own Wi-Fi mesh network hardware, which, to be clear, would will not be the only supported router. That's the part that, like, uh, what if they're like, hey, the really only way to get, like, 4K 60 frames a second is to have Google Fiber. The, I mean, so that's... There's such you know? a limited number of people that have that, right? That it would, but they could do that. It they could do that. It's, but then again, that becomes more of a problem than saying, "Oh, you need a four hundred dollar console." Maybe. You know, it's like there's a higher but barrier. Not, but they're not, yeah, there. possibly. But they're not saying you have to have a console now. They're just saying you need a good connection. Yeah, it's true. Uh, using a Stadia controller connected to Wi-Fi also helps with the latency issue. Harrison said, "Quote: Bluetooth is slow. Bluetooth would add additional hops that are not necessary." It would add unnecessary latencies to the equation. A Wi-Fi controller also allows us to integrate things like the Google Assistant technology at a really native level. It's the best architecture. It gives us the best flexibility, and it also allows you as a player the seamless movement between screens, end quote. Hmm. Harrison expressed confidence that the levels of lag involved in a standard Stadia experience were compatible with even the twitchiest, most reflex-heavy kind of games. Hmm. He also let slip that, quote, we have a couple of leading fighting games in development on our platform, end quote. Even with all the company's efforts to reduce latency, though, Harrison allowed that there is a certain level of player that won't accept any additional lag. Quote, I fully expect, respect that there is a top of that esports player pyramid who are typically players wearing local t-shirts in a company gamer chair, and they're investing in lowest possible latency mouse pads. I mean, this is the... I'm going to take issue with that. Like, I'm not an esports no. player, but lag is a huge uh, component when I was buying my TV. I bought the, the TV that would give me... Like, I literally... Um, turn off a lot of things that would make it look better in mm -hmm. order to have zero lag. Yep. 
same uh, here. I mean, and and like I just specifically did the research to, to get as low lag as possible on my television. Yeah. Not just like a game mode, right. but literally just like what's the lowest lag. Yeah. Um, additionally, for a while there, like whenever I was playing, like so many tr- tr- like Black Ops or whatever, I would go wired with my Xbox controller because it was yep. noticeably mm-hmm. less laggy. Before Xbox so, One, because Xbox One, I think, fixed a lot of that. It did, but Xbox One also, like, I, it, like early on, like with Black Ops Three, I think it was. Yeah. A lot of times, I would still play like yeah. plugged in because it would eliminate all of the lag. Yeah. Uh, so he says they're investing in lowest possible latency mouse pads. Maybe we're not going to reach those players day one, but I think that aspirational pyramid beneath the pinnacle pro players is absolutely for Stadia. End quote. Hmm. Since long, this is who is this for? Since long before Stadia's announcement, some critics have considered streaming gaming as a solution in ter- search of a problem, a service that gamers at large aren't really asking for. But Harrison says Google's market research has identified two broad categories of player that, quote, we believe will be excited by Stadia, end quote. The first is leading edge players, quote, leading edge players that understand the technology of 4K, 60 frames per second. They know what HDMI means to quality. They will love the ability to take a game they love across any screen anytime. I think what? Uh, get rid of the first part of that. <laughs> I think he's right. The people who want it will be, they love the ability to take a game they love yeah. across any screen anytime. Of course. The second Harrison said is a more budget conscious gamer that, quote, frankly cannot afford to keep up with the rate of change in the hardware generations, whether it's on a PC or console. My observation is console cycles are starting to speed up again, not slow down, and that's an expensive capital expenditure to keep up with. There is a player that loves to play, wants to play, but can't play on the latest, greatest machines, end quote. I think he's totally dead on on that. Mm-hmm. That's like what Xbox is also taking like a different approach to. Mm-hmm. It's like you can play anywhere on any console, even if it's the old one, even if it's a really cheap one without a mm-hmm. uh, hard drive. Yeah. Or a disk drive. Yep. Uh, end quote. Harrison wouldn't go into details on the type of expenses a Stadia customer might be facing instead of hardware costs or even the potential types of monetization structures that the service would use. Yeah. He did promise, because this isn't going to cost nothing. No. He did promise more information on that score in the summer, though. Harrison said that he respected previous game, game streaming efforts that were, quote, all pioneers and should be applauded for taking the, those bold steps, end quote. That said, he suggested that it, quote, takes a fairly unique set of capabilities to really get this to scale. Google is one of the very, very small group of companies that has the technology, the reach, and the long view to pull this off. If you were to approach this as a startup, you would be reliant on somebody else's infrastructure, and you're automatically introducing latency and a performance hit even before you get to the economic hit, end quote. So Flexing those Google money muscles. Yeah. Um, fascinating, man. It's all crazy fascinating. My, uh, I want your immediate takeaways. My immediate takeaways, I think that this service, I think the most appealing parts of this service to me, it's not the streaming part. It's sure, like you can do, like move between screens. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more appealing things are if I am a streamer or a a YouTube personality that like streams a lot, the fact that some of the things they talked about, which we haven't talked about here yet, being able to um, share game states, mm-hmm. like, hey, uh, I'm doing a speed run right now. I'm sharing this game state with you. See if you can beat me. Yeah. Um, or uh, they, sh- they showed people how people can, like, join a queue to mm-hmm. join, like, uh, a team in NBA 2K. Yep. 
um, which is really cool. And play Directly your... from YouTube. Yes. Because it's all one login. Yep. Um, your, your, your Google Stadia login will be the same as your Gmail and mm-hmm. the same as your YouTube. And yeah, that's fascinating to me. Like yeah. the idea of just saying, hey, I'm immediately just right now going to go stream on my YouTube channel. Yeah. My, you know, whatever John Wright, e- stay on target, whatever email or a Google YouTube channel. And like it just immediately goes there with without having to worry about a ton of other like infrastructure. Oh, I need an external box to route to Twitch or like yeah. I need to open the Twitch app and like integrate that. Oh, I got to log in on this other yeah, login. Yeah, yeah. It's just all one. It's all one. Um, that's really intriguing. Again, like you said, the save state thing is really cool. I like the idea that there's a lot of help channels um, on oh, YouTube. Yeah, that, that was cool. Where like literally you could just be like, okay, well, how do you do this? And yeah. then you click into the the save state and you go, oh, that's how you do it. Well, and you like, get to do it on like alongside them as you're watching them yes. kind of do it. The demo like was it was basically like if you say you you hit a part like if I'm in Celeste and I hit a part that I can't get past, yeah, which I did. Uh, you can just use the Google Assistant yeah. and get a video, find a video that will tell you exactly how mm-hmm. to do it without like taking you out of the app, mm-hmm. um, having to find the spot. Mm-hmm. Like it'll just pull it up. Yeah, uh, I mean, a lot I of times that. I'll have to like get on my phone where I'm like, I'm on the TV on my Xbox plan, and then I'll have to get on my phone in order to look at the YouTube yeah. that will tell me how to beat this thing, yeah. right? Whereas it, it would all just be integrated into one thing. Yeah. At that point, and this so. presentation, like a lot of it, felt very te- um, tech demo-y because yeah. it is tech demo-y because yeah, this is a game developers conference. We're talking to developers; they're yeah. basically saying these are the things that types of things that our our uh, platform can do. It's now up to, for you to decide what to do with that. Yeah, and come how over to do here that. and like we built the house. Come over here and like yeah. and, like. Come bring your bring your drinks and bring your you know your your puppy dog and let's let's move in. Yeah, so. they kept using the phrase like if a developer chooses or if, as a developer you choose to blah 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 or if you know the game designer decides like it's all like just because for instance Assassin's Creed Odyssey is going to be on here it doesn't mean all these features are going to be available it doesn't mean right. jumping into the game state from a YouTube right uh, stream is going to be available it doesn't mean that. We're going to be able to say, share game states. It's if those platforms, and that's the part that like, those are the types of features that for first party developers, if there were some, uh, there are going to be. Like, they, there's at least one they take advantage of. So you think about like Xbox and um, the tr- uh, rumble and the triggers. Yeah, for instance, the haptic feedback and the triggers. Yeah, really, the only games that take advantage of that are like. Forza. Yep. That's a first party game from a first party developer. Going down the like the PlayStation route, like you think about like, oh, the the touch screen on the middle yep. uh, of the uh, PlayStation controller. There's very few games that actually took advantage of that whenever it first started. Most of them were PlayStation. Yeah. So. Because it takes extra time to develop those things. So mm-hmm. if you're saying like, okay, where I'm Ubisoft and I'm releasing the next Assassin's Creed, um, do is it worth it for me to take the time to code in these extra features that are exclusive to Stadia yeah. that will only impact, at least at, at launch, a small group of players. Mm-hmm. Not unless Google's paying me to do it. And I'm saying, like, Google totally has the the, the money to do it. Yeah. But um, I think as far as third-party developers are concerned, unless they're doing something exclusively for Stadia... Yeah. There's no reason to take advantage of any of these. That's true. Um, it's fascinating to me that of 
the games are the main thing. Like with with any game console, it's like okay, does yeah. it have the games? Like what kind of games does it have? And then in addition to that, obviously this one's on the go as well as at home. The way you get it at home though isn't on your home console. Like it's not like you can boot up a an Xbox. But basically any device that can load Google Chrome yeah. will be able to do this. So that means that your Chromecast, so like the little USB dongle that you plug into your TV, yeah. and uh, like that'll be able to access it. Um, but as far as like the games go, they had a few third-party developers up there. They had like Ubisoft up there, and Ubisoft seems to be in on this. And Ubisoft even last year in their E3 com- press conference mentioned that streaming is the future. Um, and and uh, and uh, Yves Guillemot has mentioned numerous times in interviews that he believes that streaming is the way that things will go in the future. And so they're preparing themselves for that. So partnering with a Google in this instance makes a lot of sense. Um, and then they had Bethesda up there with Doom Eternal. And so that was the biggest two. Um, they mentioned that, hey, we've got our own first party developer. They brought uh, Jade Raymond, I believe, from um, EA uh, over, I think it was like EA Motive, like whenever that all kind of happened, uh, Jade Raymond moved over to Google. And sh- she's now like in charge of one of their big studios. So they're br- going to bring out like exclusive games. Um, or at least one. Or at least one. Yeah. <laughs> see what this is. See what happens. Um but yeah, it's like it seems like just such a to to announce this thing and say at GDC and basically say, oh, all the developers come over to our platform and yeah. put your stuff out here. Like that's what this is. Yeah. It's just a call to people to we want your content here. Yeah. We we've built it. Come on over. Like we'll totally. we'll distribute your game. And don't get me wrong, I do think that playing your games on every screen or in whatever way that you yeah. want to, that is the future. It is, and that's the future that Google is painting here. That's the Google that, or the, sorry, the 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 vision that Microsoft is painting with their uh, whole platform mm-hmm. idea. Um, I'm think, still skeptical of how it works. Like I'm people, still skeptical of the streaming man. And like, uh, oh, sorry. And before I do that, yeah. uh, move on to that. I do like like the fact that the barrier to entry to this is probably like it's a seventy dollar Chromecast Ultra. Mm-hmm. Probably, I would say. I mean, hopefully, below a hundred dollar controller. Uh, I think it's. I think they've already talked about it being like sixty bucks. Or okay, so like, like that, if it's so. sixty bucks, so we're talking one hundred twenty dollars right there. Um, and then on top of that. Maybe paying for some kind of like Xbox Live, PSN like type subscription, subscription. so maybe another tack on another sixty bucks a year or something like that. So and we're I, up to like we're under two hundred mm-hmm. to play on very like your TV and phone and like all these different places. Yeah, I mean that's cool. Yeah, um, pretty low barrier to entry. I do like like what I what I don't like about it is that it is so fragmented like that. It's like. There's not a you just buy this and you have everything you need. Yeah. Unless they start packaging, hey, here's a Chromecast Ultra and a controller together. They could yeah, do that. They could do that. Um, I mean, honestly, what I would like even more is if they developed a PlayStation and Xbox app to run these things. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's that would be like to have have Chromecast on all the devices. Like that would be ideal. Yeah. Um, I mean, and- I feel like I mean, I feel like the the barrier to entry is low enough that I will like probably buy it when it comes out and like try it yeah like it's not that much you know what no. i mean um because i i had assumed because they they like they made the comment like you don't have to use the stadia controller which makes me think that somehow you can pair your existing controllers to 
I guess maybe your computer. So they've said that f- if you wanted to play on your TV, it's Chromecast and the controller. Okay. Like you would need that. So you have to have that for your TV. For your TV, you would have to have that. What um, if your phone? If you're on your phone, I imagine. I think the only thing that you can do your own controller on is your computer. Ah, that you can pair, um, pair via Bluetooth. Or right. It's like, like that. any controller that's compatible yeah. with whatever your computer is, you can use that controller. So like yeah. even down to your uh, your Joy Cons from your Nintendo Switch, yeah. you could use that. Um, but like anything else, you probably need the controller yeah um my main question is like how do you like what's buying games like are we is it a game pass type of subscription thing like a netflix style thing i doubt it's that at least off off the bat yeah you know because like you know doom eternal is not going to be in in that kind of a thing i don't think i think it'll probably be yeah you have to have some kind of online subscription to use the service quote unquote and then then you buy the game you buy the game buy a digital copy of the game that works on stadia in the same way you would buy a digital copy that works on xbox the only thing that kind of leads me to believe that it might be something more like a game pass or like a netflix for games is like the whole oh like what will you can click on this the stream and be playing in your own game in seconds and so like in seconds makes me it's gonna take longer than that to check out from a store but maybe like at the very least you're sitting in front of like it's in my cart i can pl- click the buy button i mean again i think that's up to the developer you know for instance yeah. say it's a free-to-play game yeah that's like, true then, again, that's they, true you're they, right they use the, even with that they they use the phrase if a developer chooses blah yeah. blah blah yeah and like if you say it's Fortnite and you're watching ninja play Fortnite, you just click play now and you're playing Fortnite. you're playing Fortnite. yeah yeah so hmm. I get, I think it's it just it, it'll depend it'll it'll vary from game to game. The thing that I don't like is the is the speeds. And I know that like and we've you know we've talked about five G coming and I think it's gonna be crazy mm-hmm. and we're not even gonna like in in five years even we're gonna like be amazed at what's happening. Yeah. Um, we talked about how like five G if in case you didn't hear that episode like it's you can get like it's basically a wireless gigabit connection. Um, but like in real life, like testing, like it, they were getting around 300 megabytes per second down, which is still mm-hmm. insane. Yeah. But like my internet connection. And it's wireless. I have Comcast and I, my internet connection, I think I pay for like a, I think it's like 30 megabytes. So we're saying, but he's saying like, that's like the minimum for some games. Mm-hmm. So I would need to probably, um, up my speeds and pay more for that in order for this to work properly. Yeah. I just did a speed test on my internet here and I get, I'm in, in Nashville, get really fast internet. Yeah. Um, 67 megabytes per second download. Yeah. Um, and then four, almost four megabytes per second. So I'm a little out of town, but then I have a friend who, uh, lives down in Franklin and he sent me a speed test the other night because he was having some, uh, some problems with Skype. See if I pulled up because it, uh, there are numbers I can't make up. (laughs) um here we go uh his speed test was 13.1 megabytes download Mm. oh wait hang on that was yeah so hardlined so wirelessly it was 11.5 megabytes per second download and 0.85 megabytes upload oh plugged in was 13.1 download and point eight nine upload so like we're talking i mean that hurts and me. that's that's you know just 20 minutes south here yeah. with at&t internet yeah, down yeah. in franklin oh yeah tennessee i mean then yeah that's <laughs> not a uh not a rural area by so any means. like we you know i think i think whenever people like people like the like like here like the, the people like i don't know people in large cities mm-hmm. who have really good internet mm-hmm. totally not a problem nope 
Okay. But like, like I'm not have no problem with it. Literally everyone else (laughs) that will have a problem with this console. Oh yeah. I mean, I think about like, I've referenced it numerous times that like a few years ago where we were playing with a friend of ours from up in like Illinois or whatever. He was like using his 4G internet, like his data, like (laughs) tethering to his phone with his console because it was faster than the actual cable internet that's there. Right. Which is where we're going with 5G. Right. But still. But still, like, I mean, until it gets to that point with 5G, like it's, it's, there's going to be the vast majority of people that are going to look at this and go like, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that's where Microsoft comes out and, and is is in a better position to handle the streaming future than something like Google is necessarily because Microsoft not only has the data centers, they have their Azure servers all over the place. They not only have like that that kind of infrastructure, they also have the physical box that takes a disc and can go. Okay, you can take this disc, but also guess what? Your console now can also stream these games. So whenever you do get good internet, not not you know maybe in the next couple of years you're still using discs, whatever. But like in the next couple, you know, whenever you finally get that five G internet, you finally get that good internet in your area. Now you can stream games. Yeah, now I, the game is on. I don't know if I would say like you just said that. I think Microsoft can like can stream things better. I don't know if I would go that that far. I just we don't know, know yet. No, because because I like Google also has data centers everywhere. I guess my thought is like they're they have everything that Google has in the data centers, right? But they also have the idea of well, like, I, hey, we can we can we already have a game console that you that anybody can. Yeah, use. I, I, don't, I think I think and then just, we can bridge that gap. I think you're just saying that. that wrong. Like like the streaming side of it, streaming mm-hmm. like. They could stream just as well, or just or just as poorly. Or poorly, it's the fact that, like, say you do, like if you if you don't have good internet, you can't use Stadia. Mm-hmm. If you, if you don't have good internet, you can still play on an Xbox. Right. It's so, like that's what you're saying. Yes. It's not like they are better positioned, like, to appeal to a broad, uh, a broader audience because mm-hmm. you don't have to have good internet to play the games on that console. Right. But I guess like my thought is also if they can get people in their ecosystem that sure. whenever they finally do have good yeah, internet, yeah. whenever 5G finally does materialize five years from now, yeah. it they will be in the position where, oh, I've already, I'm already in the Xbox ecosystem and I can stream directly here to all my devices through I mean, their thing. Sure. I mean, uh, I mean in that sense, they already have a better like basis to go off of because they have a better, a bigger install base anyway. Sure. And, that's, and that's the other part about this that like, uh, I did want to bring up, and I'm sure it will change. We talked a lot about like well, sending links and watching on YouTube, and like yeah. so that's why I think like this is a to me this is a streamers box. Yeah, like if you want to engage with streamers or you want to be a streamer, this is the box you should probably have because it seems like it's going to be really easy. Yeah. Um, but like they didn't say anything about like a version of PSN or Xbox Live where you have friends, mm-hmm. you have what is what about voice chat. Um, how does that work with this? Like all the things that make gaming to me like a social experience and mm-hmm. what it is and why I choose to play on like Xbox versus PSN True. and why I like sometimes decide to go play a PlayStation game because mm-hmm. my, one of my friends is over there playing. Like that's how I make my decisions about what uh, console I use way more yeah. than well, this is a streaming thing and I can have it on any device. I think sure. that's a good thing, but that will be the like smaller use case for that piece of tech. That's true. I will use that whenever I'm playing a game that I know I want to play at home and on the go and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But anything else, like the Division 2, yeah. I wouldn't play it on Stadia. Why? Because my friends aren't playing it on Stadia. And if I can't voice chat with them or something mm-hmm. like that, why in the world would I play it on Stadia? Yeah. 
I mean, they, even Google said, "Oh, we're open to crossplay as well." So I mean, like, there's there is technically maybe some crossplay uh, between console. Between yeah, I mean, that, Stadia and console. Yeah, that, I mean, well, to me, that just means like Fortnite. Yeah. Well, Stadia, Xbox One, PS4. You know, like that's yeah. that's crossplay. They didn't really talk anything about, and I know they're gonna say more things later and define it all. Yeah, I mean, we haven't talked price yet, or talked like anything yet. You yeah. know, release date or anything like that. So. I mean. I, the things that I love that I, that I think like Microsoft hasn't even like kind of talked about and grand they haven't said a lot about Project X Cloud but I yeah. like the I like the fact that the controller d- connects directly to the servers yeah that's really cool um, and the fact that like you know you think about the stream um, to different places like it's not relying on any of your hardware it's that's literally right. just a like video feedback mm-hmm. down like which is really cool and the, I, I guess Microsoft has, hasn't talked about it in those terms um. It'll be this, the best part about it. I think is that this provides some competition in the space. Yep. Whereas it doesn't seem like Sony is interested in competing. Not yet, anyway. I mean, they have PlayStation Now, but they're actually like in process of making PlayStation Now more like Game Pass, mm-hmm. where they, like you can install the games. Um, and they haven't talked about anything about like a, a, any kind of streaming future or what they're envisioning for it. Yeah. Nintendo's not going to compete in it. They don't. Nope. They don't care about it. They'd rather have. Xbox on their platform mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. Um, and well, they're, so they're like, not a technology company. They're a game company. Right. And and the thing is, you know, what really drives innovation is competition in the marketplace. And I think this provides competition for Microsoft to like, yep. hey, this is your kick in the pants to make Project X Cloud better than this. Yeah. And then it's then that's the kick in the pants to make for Google to make Stadia better than that. Yeah. You know, so I think we will see a an explosion of innovation in terms of streaming in the next few years. Yeah. Between Microsoft and Stadia. Yeah. And Google. It's fascinating. The uh, so on that note, um, Thoreau.com, they got a uh, a leaked email that reportedly uh, Phil Spencer sent to a number of Microsoft employees after the uh, Google Stadia announcement, mm. and it says, "quote." We just wrapped up watching the Google announcement of Stadia as a team here at GDC. Their announcement is a validation of the path we embarked on two years ago. Mm. Today, we saw a big tech competitor enter the gaming market and frame the necessary ingredients for success as content, community, and cloud. There were no big surprises in their announcement, although I was impressed by their leveraging of YouTube and the use of Google Assistant and the new Wi-Fi controller. Mm. But I want to get back to us. There has been a really good, or has been really good work to get us to the position where we are poised to compete for two billion gamers across the, the planet. Google went big today, and we have a couple of months until E3 when we will go big. We have to stay agile, continue to build our customer at the center. Uh, we have content, community, and cloud team and strategy. And as I've been saying for a while, it's all about the execution. Mm. This is even more true today. Energizing times, Phil. <laughs> Totally. The gauntlet's been thrown down. Yeah. And they've got to step up. They've either got to put on their big boy pants and step up, or they just got to give up. Roll over and give up. It, and sounds, it, it sounds really interesting, like, hearing them be so confident about it, be like, okay, we have everything. Yeah. We just have to tell you about it right, the right way. Yeah. Totally. Uh, well, I mean, and that's, you know, think about, think about, I think that they, they he's approaching that idea mm-hmm. with the... With 2020 vision back at how they initially positioned oh, the dude. Xbox One X, yeah. which like if you think about what we use the Xbox One for now, it is literally the future that they painted back in the day yeah. that we all revolted against. Save Always, for all, the cro- like, save for the the movies and the like, you know. No, that's all there. Things. Like, I I again, 
whenever you look at their stats, whenever they're like, hey, fifty percent of people spend 50, people spend fifty percent of the time spent on Xbox, yeah, spend it watching television, mm. and and think about how much Hulu you watch, how much Netflix you watch, versus how much time you spend gaming. I would warrant that I spend more time watching video on that console than I spend actually gaming on that console. Yeah, that's probably true. So everything came true. It, always online gaming. What game are you playing right now that does not require you to be online? It's true. All the time. Very few. Even the division, mm-hmm. you have to be online, and mm-hmm. that's mainly a, a single player experience. Mm-hmm. So, like the vision came through. It was just all in how they presented it. Yeah, they presented it extremely poorly. Oh yeah. So he realizes that. So like, I think he's like, we need to communicate this well so that we are able to actually compete in this market now mm-hmm. because if we don't, we're going to be in the same position we were last time. Yeah. Well, then we've talked about like for years, for the past two years at E3, we've talked about how they're playing a different game than Sony yeah. and and uh, Nintendo, it seems. And this is more in line with the game that they're playing. Like the yeah. Stadia definitely is. And so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out with yeah. the, the, like what offerings they have, what price points they each have and, and what is Microsoft going to do for the quote next generation of consoles? Yeah. Because you assume that Stadia, they're considering that probably the next generation yeah. of gaming. Um, and so, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see if, like, it'll be interesting to see if they if they uh, incorporate some of these ideas into Xbox. For instance, using Cortana yeah. instead of, you know, Google Assistant to help you find things on it's the true. internet. Now, I don't think that they're going to be able to incorporate into YouTube in the same way that, like, Stadia is why in the world would Google let them do that? But you could integrate into Mixer, like totally. they own a, they own a streaming platform. Totally, um, it's just not a content platform where that hosts trailers. It's true, and uh, gameplay walkthroughs and that type of thing. Not the number two search engine, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> there are some similarities there, but also some differences. Like, but like I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like, well, the next version of Xbox console or sorry, Xbox controllers. Connect directly via Wi-Fi to Project X Cloud servers. Yeah, or at least that's an option. You yeah, know? totally. Or whenever you switch over to streaming, it then switches over to that. That's a good point. Versus yep. connecting to your box. Yeah, you know. So, like, I think we could see some of these ideas come over, and probably will. Like, I, and why wouldn't you? If you're Microsoft, be like, yeah. okay, how do we make that work? Right. You know, that seems like that would be better. Right. Um. So anyway, I don't know. It's exciting. I, I'm excited. Not necessarily. I'm excited to a. I'll, I will buy this and try it. Um, as long as the barrier for entry is fairly low, yeah, yeah. why not? I th- oh, and then right now it seems like it's going to be like for you know the controller and Chromecast like 120 bucks, yeah. And maybe like hey, I get a month subscription to whatever their online thing is, mm-hmm. and just uh, try it that way. Yeah. Uh, so I'll try it, but then like I'm excited to see the competition in the future between Microsoft and Google, mm-hmm. and in this space. Also, can't wait for 5G. Like, I think once 5G hits, and I think they're saying this. We've seen this for, for months now. Yeah. Once 5G hits, the game changes, man, across the board. Yeah, and you figure that that other companies, you know, streaming, they've got to figure that out, too. Yeah. There are other bottlenecks to consider, whether it's, like, the Wi-Fi on your phone, like, how fast is that connection? Like, that's the one thing about Switch and, like, the whole idea of, like, streaming something to my Switch is the Wi-Fi is not super fast yeah. on the Switch, so it's you know, whatever latency that would introduce. Yeah. But there are other things, like, you know, so whatever device you're on, whatever laptop you're on, is like, how yeah. fast is the Wi-Fi? There are other things that are uncontrollable, but... That's all beside the point. Like that'll all get better once 
wants there's a requirement for yeah. it to get better. Well, and like you know, I think what we're gonna see once five. This is another prediction that I've been thinking about. Once five G hits, which we're already kind of there. I saw a commercial today when watching a lot of March Madness, um, and it's, it was a commercial for uh, AT and T. I think they're calling it like five five G something. It's like and and they in the commercial say this is our our first step into 5G or whatever, and it's like select locations. So it's like it's starting to roll out. Yeah. The minute we hit 5G where we have all these crazy download speeds, Mm -hmm. phone plans have to change because we will start consuming content at a rate that is greater than phone plans account for right now. Well, and then you think about the uh, other ISPs, so like hardline ISPs, like there are lots of places with data caps and streaming your 4K game to your console and the inputs and like all this stuff or in some cases 8k like you get up to that like my goodness that's going to be so much on your data cap like so uh well and and so i recently i think i talked about on the on the show i recently changed my 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 phone plan to unlimited like the the highest one i could on verizon because it was like ten dollars more than the one i was going to switch to i never connect to wi-fi anymore because i don't need to yeah if I have a plan that allows me to then and I have 5G internet, there's literally no reason to like limit myself to this because yeah. it's, it's faster. It's already faster. Yeah, it's already My LTE is faster. I mean, your LTE is going to be way faster than your internet connection. Yeah. You so know? I think once 5G hits, the entire landscape changes. Yeah. And as a society, we have to like, we'll, we'll make some changes in terms of our you know plans and services and all this kind of stuff. But like the things that we're going to be able to do or have access to and companies are going to offer us is going to be crazy, man. Yeah. And the idea of having that much speed just in your pocket all the time is is wild to it's me. Mind-boggling. It really is. I'm about to I'm speed testing my phone like off of my Wi-Fi see if yeah. it's faster or slower. I imagine it'll be a little bit slower cuz 60 some odd uh, megabytes per second down is yeah, is a lot. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm getting 50 down. I mean, that's so. close, though. Yeah. That's faster than my internet. Yeah, it's 52. And that's what I experience whenever I'm on my Wi-Fi versus whenever I'm on my LTE. That's right. You know, so anyway, um, this has been a long show. <laughs> a long, long show. But it's been packed full of goodness. This is what happens whenever I take a day off, John. Yeah, you're able to like, you know. I can prep a lot of stuff. That's also what happens whenever everybody decides to put out a trailer and, and announce, announce their stuff. And announce huge things. <laughs> mergers and uh, cons or platforms. We yeah. have to start playing the same platforms. Yeah, now. platforms instead of or yeah, yeah, platforms is the right word. Instead as of consoles. As ecosystem also, you know, works. Yeah. But. Platform, yeah. games platform, game platform. Anyway, did we miss anything? We talk about anything? Don't think so. All right. Um, I think that about covers everything that I had. All the bullet points that I put down. Great. Next week, what do we have? Anything? Dumbo comes out. We may review week. that. I want to review that. Yeah. I, I, I really do. I, it looks really good. It looks amazing. Uh, so uh, maybe stay tuned for that next week. You can find us online at stayintargetpodcast.com. Shazam. We've also got Shazam, oh, man. Chris. Never mind. Screw Dumbo. <laughs> Shazam. I forgot about that. Yeah, we're this Saturday. We're going to go to a, uh, a pre-screening. pre-screening of Shazam. Shazam! It's like a Fandango like um, hosted pre-screening thing. I saw a commercial for oh, it today, cool. too. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm into it. I, I'm so excited. So, yeah, well, I'm excited. And, I, like, to me, the fact that they're doing this, like, and selling tickets to it makes me think that DC is very optimistic about this movie yeah. and how it's going to be received. So that excites me mm-hmm. um, because this is, seems like the first one they've been super confident with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You're I mean, right. Yeah. Because you didn't see this with anything else. 
the only like I would say like things like Wonder Woman was well received. I don't know that DC thought it would whenever they first. You know, I think it was more of a surprise. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why not. Come on, DC. I'm just because of their history with their movies. <laughs> um, I'd be gun shy too. Uh, same thing with Aquaman. I'm kind of like, yeah, I think they, you know, kind of felt like it would be good. But I think they hyped it up more than it actually was, and they knew that. Yeah. Um, anyway, they're confident about this one, so super pumped. We'll review that next week. Shazam. So Dumbo will have to wait. Dumbo will have to wait. We'll yeah. do that like a couple, you know. I can't wait so. for Dumbo, though. I'm very it excited about good. Dumbo. There's so many. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited yeah. about Dumbo. You can find us online at StandingTargetPodcast.com, on Twitter at ChrisWright250. And JohnWright777. And at StandTargetPod. Please go to your podcast service of choice and review us. Tell your friends about us. We really appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on, on Target. Target.